0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. I'm Paul and I am here
0: with Gar. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Today I bought Tetley tea bags. Oh, Gar. Listen, it was like Gareth. four euro for 160 of them, and I'm sick of running out of tea bags. I had to, in, buy, and they're
1: all right. In your defense, I, I do buy uh, Earl Grey sometimes.
0: Earl Grey, isn't that like wood? Isn't it? Bergamot wood. Isn't that no, what Earl Grey I is? I
1: think it's some sunflower or something.
0: Is it? And the flower off that tree Trump, or something? I'm sure, yeah. It's something weird, and I don't know. Telly, though,
1: what's Telly like? Like, to be honest with you, I, I'm I'm about moving out of people. got Jesus, we're all, people are already tuning out now. They're, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm away from. I'm all about moving away from lions and berries all the time.
0: Yeah, see, I, I'm a big you know Barney's you know. head. I like Barney's tea. Lions, something pissy about it. And then when I found out they were sponsoring greyhound racing and their bags are made of plastic, I was like, I don't know them. Yes, yeah, I don't like. Yeah, yeah. Lions. I have um.
1: I, I drink... Oh, geez, it's a great start to this fucking podcast. I drink Lily's tea. It's like a little Irish uh, brand.
0: Oh, yeah. I might be into that. Now, the only reason I got these is because like, there's a little cost around the corner from me. That's the worst yeah. shop in the history of the world. There's one bloke who works there who is just constantly on his phone. And every time I go in there and I see him, I'm like, oh, what's he going to fuck up today? Every <laughs> single time. He's, like, texting someone or on the phone to someone when he's trying to serve you. And then he ends up, like... Set, like charging a choice for something, or fucking three times today he charged me for. I bought one scratch card, and he bought, he charged me three times for it. And then last week I bought a box of smokes. He charged me for two boxes of smokes, and I'm standing there going like, if you just put down the fucking phone, man, when you're in work, oh, what, yeah. what job allows you to be talking? But anyway, they went in there and they didn't have any. Uh, I like buying the Barry's black, uh, Barry's fucking black label, They're like stronger, mm. you know. I hate tea that's pissy. There's something worse than pissy yeah. tea. You want you want to be able to, that that dry, starchy shit in your milk, you know. But uh, they only had the red berries, which is fine in it if you're stuck. And uh, I, was, I was like, fucking... I was looking at it, it was like four quid for like 40 of them. I was like, that's a lot of money, man. Like, it's not mm. really when you break it down, but it's a tiny poxy box. And they had one of these big ignorant, like deal-sized fucking, brick <laughs> fucking Tetley, like... Uh, something you throw out of a fucking plane with a parachute attached to
1: it. Answer me this, it's not the same company as the Bear Company from England. No, I don't think so. I don't think so.
0: I could be fucking wrong. I don't know anything about, about that. But I used to drink Tetley years ago and the reason I used to drink Tetley years ago is because I remember FHM magazine had a competition as to who made the best tea in England and Tetley won it. And from that day onwards, I always bought Tetley because they were like, Oh, listen, now the tannin factor it gets real dark real quick, which no, it does. Campbell's, which it does. Is better, Campbell's is better than that, even. I'm, I'm sure it is, but fucking, like, listen, like I said, it was like four quid for like 160 tea bags. Hopefully, only tea bags for a <laughs> while. I'm not even a big tea guy. It's just sometimes yeah. every night. Fucking sit down and I might let like the pigeons out and the parrot let the parrot attack me. The war parrot, no, it's nice to
1: have a little ritual of, with a bit of a cup of a cup of hot. Mm. It is, it is, it's comforting.
0: The problem so, is the, the minute it gets in any way like to a good temperature, now I just mill it. I'm not what it
1: is. I'm not, I have to heat the milk up so I don't do that. Really, I have to actually heat the milk up in the microwave while I'm preparing the coffee or tea so that i don't drink it
0: in one go mm, so, so just is, drink- i have to stop myself doing that yeah, yeah. that's one of the things i move, when i move to black coffee you puts manners on you you know what i mean it really yeah
1: burn the mouth off you yeah should we uh should we tell it's them probably, what we're gonna do yeah yeah um so today. what we're gonna do is uh yeah.
0: something uh that we again the usual bullshit the usual spiel it's something we talked about for ages between ourselves and it's something that we want to move into doing a little bit more and we want to start doing more kind of retrospective uh, collective or collection podcast. We we done it before a little bit with the goth one, and we done one uh, about yeah. 80s, we had a bit of a goth hip-hop. perspective. Gotth- yeah, exactly. Retrospective goth. Yeah, perspective? just a little bit of the, the key bands and any particular genre or movement. Uh, we've done like eighties hip hop and stuff yeah. like that. You know, just a little bit more as opposed to being focused on a gimmick. Maybe focused on a, on, a, on a style or a genre of music. And this week we wanted to deal indie. Okay, indie. The problem with indie is that huge yeah indie's not really a style of music right it's um people uh, it's and it's hard to remember that as well because i up until god knows when indie to me was a style of music it was wholeheartedly british um Mm. it was kind of jangly guitars and floppy hair shit like that um but the more i kind of grew and started listening to more music and start reading reviews and they were like oh this indie band from blah 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 like, there's nothing yeah, fucking like, indie. indie yeah exactly yeah so um uh what what we've done for this is i put together a load, a, a couple of kind of keynotes about indie before we get into this because the playlist is fucking mad and it's all over the place yeah we went in different ways but i kind of like that because it
1: keeps people yeah on their
0: toes. i don't know exactly. what
1: that means yeah. yeah I'll tell the people what approach I took but I like I like taking two different approaches in the same podcast to be
0: honest. oh yeah exactly but it keeps it it keeps it interesting as well yeah. so like indie itself okay indie obviously is short for independent and it originated in the 70s and it kind of popped up it kind of started in the UK and the US roughly around the same time. It's got a similar yeah. kind of evolution to uh, to kind of punk, okay? And it's it, it, it has its toes in the punk world. It definitely comes from the from the from the punk world. Oh yeah. And basically, what it is is bands that were kind of unsigned or signed to independent record labels, like tiny record labels. So. What happened was, like the, 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 I'm not going to break any sort of rules by giving everybody who my first band is on this, and I'll move into the band in a minute when I explain this, but the roots of India are kind of linked back to uh, the Buzzcocks. The Buzzcocks are one of the first bands to have universal praise for self-releasing uh, a record. Mm. So um, now what you have to understand as well is that uh, even though it started in the US and the UK roughly at the same time, uh, America being America and the UK being the UK, they both kind of have their own little colloquialisms about it in that um, it, it kind of stopped being called indie in America and it start being called alternative and this is the new way um right. that's this, even broader than indie this is exactly so um the the u.s start calling it alternative music and this is down to like college radio stations Um taking a yeah of you're music. right the, the,
1: eventually i was like if you t- even even if you type in alternative music now to let's say spotify yeah you're getting what i would consider indie bands like it's not grungy because grungy was only a bit of alternative yeah, exactly. music, so
0: yeah, it muddied the waters a lot, big, big time. Like I said, this is not a, this is not a genre. This is not a style of music. This is more of a. a, a it's almost like a movement, as opposed to um, a style. Yeah, I mean, of music. it doesn't
1: even have the common thread of being independent for half of these bands. Exactly, <laughs> it,
0: it, exactly. It's almost like a, it, It's a it's the Rolling Stone effect where the bands that influenced kind of modern bands and bands of the last twenty thirty years, they all. Started off by being released by independent record labels. Yeah, uh, they were all they were underground bands essentially, which is where it came from.
1: Well, thankfully thankfully people know what we're getting at with this indie thing. they're like yeah I get it there's bands that uh, being called India that I wouldn't consider exactly. This, this, exactly. This bands that don't call themselves I would consider yeah,
0: yeah. exactly so <laughs> the, the alternative thing kind of mostly came around uh, being dubbed alternative mostly came around in the 90s and this is because a lot of the bands that were independent had at this stage moved into the mainstream so um, you, you ended up with your bands like your fucking REMs and your, your Stone Roses mm. and your blah 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 they were all fucking big at this stage they couldn't really be called independent because they were signed to big record labels. Um, In a lot of cases, they hunted down big record uh, contracts because they were sick of dealing with the the little small guys. Um, So this is where you're kind of indie meets alternative... Uh, kind of splits away and it, yeah. it splits so many times that you end up with like all these little sub like lo-fi and post-rock and jangle pop and you, this, the list is literally goes on and on and on and on and the, around the 2000s it starts coming back around again where you have we talked about this before with like the strokes and stuff like that where around the early 2000s you have this uh, another big resurgence of what could be called indie bands where um, there was like this kind of it was this almost nostalgia for the for the late seventies and early eighties, where a lot of bands where they wanted to self release stuff and they went out and they, they, they toured off their own back again. Like, once again, very very punk rock, and uh, a lot of them got signed. And we ended up with our white stripes and this kind of this kind of malarkey on and on and yeah. on. Um, it kind of meant something again because they were putting out stuff on independent labels and uh, self-releases and stuff. And then you had the internet, which meant that if they were smart enough about it, like the internet was in in essence an independent label where they could put their stuff out whenever the fuck they wanted.
1: And uh, people would like go, "Oh my god, that's great music!" Now you're like, "Can you please listen to my band?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, no, exactly." No. Jesus, <laughs> fuck! I'm not going to get into the whole idea. <laughs> yes, <it's, yeah>. Give, <laughs> giving music to the internet away for free, and I'm going. Tell me more. Convince me why I should listen to them and going, oh, you cons. Remember, you used
0: to be digging around looking for fucking records. Fuck you. Exactly. (laughs) So the way I always looked at it, and I don't know whether I'm alone at this, is that I always thought alternative music was kind of on the heavier side. Like you said, the kind of grungier and the more rocky side. And indie was more into the kind of jangly, fucking British kind of smiths and fucking... I don't yeah. even know the laws and stuff. That's the way I always formed it. But like, yeah. that was just me having the pigeonhole stuff in my head. That's it, oh, everybody pin, everybody yeah, pigeonholes in. Exactly, no choice, no choice. But <laughs> um, so th- that's the way for me, that's the way I always, um, I always kind of put them, but like I've been doing my best for years now to understand that like indie is a, is a, is a mindset and a concept as opposed to a genre of yeah. music. So as I mentioned, the Buzzcocks, uh, the the first ever indie release, is considered to be um spoil scratch by the buzzcocks, which is uh the first record I think they might have ever released and they put out themselves. They printed up like 6,000 copies of it, I think, and it sold. They ended up printing 16,000. I have when I move oh. on to the, the buzzcocks now in a second, I'll give you all those details. I have them written down. Um, but uh, eventually the, the buzzcocks became one of the biggest, most important punk bands of all time. Yeah. And uh, but the, the reason they called it spoil scratch as well is apparently they recorded it. I could be fucking wrong. But one of the things I read was when they were recording this little uh, demo or EP, whatever you want to call it, they had one of the machines that actually etched records on the fly. Oh, deadly! Can I that? I know. Yeah, you can still buy those. Um, they cost, oh. a f- yeah, they cost a fortune. Oh, that's pointless. You yeah, exactly. for one record. I'm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, you can you can actually record. They used to put them. I think Sun Studios in 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 the states they had one as well. I think they still have one actually, where you can go in and sit in the booth and like, sing a song and it literally it, like scratches it I, saw that. I saw that in
1: some I saw that in some movie Yeah, like, from you the do or it. something yeah. where like people would queue up and the guy was like what's your name? Yeah. And she'd be like my name's Martha and he'd go in and go yeah. right I'll change the name to Martha and he'd go in and sing yeah. the song again with oh Martha <laughs> no, it's fucking brilliant <laughs>
0: yeah um so I I believe this might have been done like that where it was kind of live um engraved on the record and then duplicated from that point um but that that's that's a little uh, that's a little kind of uh, open the door on indie you could just uh, thousands of books being written on this topic. I'm giving you fucking four minutes worth of a, a crash course just so people yeah. understand kind of where we're coming, we're coming from with one of, some of our choices. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to move up to my first choice. We just get that over and moment and then we can get into mm. our normal format. Who is your first choice? My first choice is the Buzzcocks, Paul. Oh, uh, with, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's this, mad. You, that's, that's a complete turn now. That's a flip. That, no segue there at all. Nothing. Straight in. Straight in right. the loop. And uh, I picked a song called Time's Up, which is off so, uh, Spoiler Scratch as well. Cool. Just so people could hear what it sounded like. So it's an yeah. English punk band found in, in Bolton. Bolton is like ten minutes outside of Manchester. So effectively, they're a Manchester band. And um, they formed in 1976. I think we might have put these bands in some sort of kind of linear fashion as well, didn't we? Put them. In, did we it did, just, like that? just,
1: just so we didn't trip over too much <laughs> history.
0: Yeah, so we could uh, be kind of have to have, go back
1: to certain things, yeah. and we it's, find it easier to tie it in this way. Yeah, it's loose enough. because it,
0: yeah, it's, it's loose enough. But kind of, we're, we're going to start at the kind of beginnings of this genre and lead you into some more modern day ones. I think. So yeah, yeah English oh, punk. Yeah, bands, I kind of
1: went through the decades. Really, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Bolton, nineteen seventy six. Uh, they were a huge influence in the Manchester music scene themselves because they were always out and about and they wanted to play. And um, they want they they tried. I think they tried to sign to a couple of little labels. But nobody was really fucking interested. Pointed seventy six punk was huge, um, but it wasn't as big as it was going to be in a year or two. time, you know. Seventy seven is, is the year that it exploded with the pistols. But they were around before that. Stuff like the Dam that already put out some records beforehand as yeah. well. But the, the Buzzcocks will be definitely in the top kind of the first two or three bands to put out a punk record. Uh, so they're, they're considered one of the, the Godfathers of the punk scene in the UK. Yeah. Um, so they, they went from 76 to 81, then they took a break and they got back together again in 1989 and they're still kind of doing the rounds uh, now. So spo- uh, spoil scratch came out in like 1977 I think the record came out and uh, like I said it's it would have been very influenced by the couple of bands that were doing the rounds like the Sex Pistols were doing the rounds the Damned the Vibrators they would have all been kind of doing the mm. rounds before and these guys wanted to get involved in it Um, it's the only record that has their original singer a guy called uh, Howard DeVoto I think yeah Howard DeVoto yeah
1: and, he's, uh, in a, he's in he's in 24 hour party people's remember that scene yeah yeah where they make reference to him sleeping with Tony was it Tony Wilson the, the Joy Division's manager uh, in the <laughs> toilet and then it cuts to a janitor and it's like I am Harold DeVoto and I just want you to know that this did not happen it's fucking <laughs> brilliant it's like they, they let him have
0: his say yeah good good. by acting um,
1: as the janitor in the movie it was really clever
0: he went, he went on and had one or two uh, bands of his own that done really really well he just apparently he's one of these guys um, DeVoto was just one of these guys once it wasn't extraordinarily exciting he was just out so, Sounds like me. Yeah, well, he's just like fucking release was doing one, this one 10 the, minutes? Exactly, Stupid. exactly. That's why he's like released like one of the first punk records ever. Uh, the first ever independent, well, not first ever, but first ever like widely accepted independent release that actually went somewhere. And then 10 minutes later, he was like, nah, no. So he got re- replaced by Pete Shelley. who was already, I believe Pete Shelley was already in the band. Um, and Pete Shelley's been being, being with them then. And mm. the whole the whole album was recorded in a, it was not an album it's an EP. It was recorded in three hours, and then it took two hours uh, to mix it. Uh, so wow. five, five hours to bang out those couple of songs. And one of the one of the songs on it is still probably their most famous song, Boredom, is on there, and it's definitely up there as one of the, the top kind of buzzcock songs. So mm. they, they hit the ground running there. Um, originally they only pressed a thousand copies of it and it sold out, then they went off and got sixteen thousand done. Um. Jesus. It was uh, they sold 16,000 via mail order, and one of the Virgin record stores. This would have been before Virgin Megastore, one of their local Virgin record stores. The manager really liked it, so he started pushing it through Virgin, um, in the mm. shop itself. And then he got onto all the lads he knew that were like regional managers as well manager assistance to the regional manager as well. Exactly. And then said, said to these other guys and some of the other Virgin stars, listen, we have this little fucking hot band here in fucking just outside Manchester and they're selling decent numbers and they're local. That's something completely cool and different. The and local band it, is
1: selling 16,000
0: records. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, all of a sudden then everybody, uh, all the Virgin stars wanted it. Once all the Virgin stars had it, loads of other stars had it. And then all of a sudden they had, kind of had a hit on their hands. Now what happened after this is that fucking hundreds upon hundreds of new independent labels just popped up all over the UK. Right. All over the UK. Um, now, the, the band have come out and said themselves, and a lot of music historians have came out and said, like the reason that this sold so much, it's not really because it was very good. It was just because it was fucking mad weird and completely new. Nobody had ever heard of like, a band just self-funding like, a recording and releasing it themselves. It just wasn't yeah. done. It wasn't done. Nobody knew how to do it. So these lads were just winging it, but doing it right. So people were buying it almost as like a curiosity, you know? And maybe even a fuck you. Maybe even a fuck you. But again, you, listen, you know as well as me, like, say you put together an event on Facebook and you get a thousand people saying they're going to come and you might get 50, you know what I mean? So they're doing, this, oh, they yeah. doing the same thing. They sell 16,000 of these things. And if they get fucking, I don't know, 500, 600 people who actually like the band, I might come and see them at their next gig and bring a mate. Like it's a good way to get things kind of yeah. organically pushed, you know. But uh, that was the Buzzcocks with Time's Up, which was considered to mm. be the kind of founding father. Uh, I said father, Jesus, like I'm absolute. Farther. Like, Farther, like I'm from the wilds <laughs> in Jakar. <in> <laughs> the founding fathers of, uh, of kind of indie. Um, the, like I said, the movement itself, not the style of music that we kind of get mixed up. And I, I'm going to keep hammering that home because it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's confusing, but people need it to is. understand. It's not a fucking, not really a thing, it's, but a kind is. I,
1: here's what I think. It's not understandable. Yes. There, I said it. Maybe some people can't completely understand it, yep. but I don't think we can. Well, we can't anyway. So if you're looking for a clear definition of what indie is and what it should be, you're not gonna it's get not it. the
0: one this is not and the especially one. not this episode <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um so that was my first one who was your first one
1: the first i'll just say how i'm going to approach this okay. indie retrospective um i have chosen notable moments through okay. indie that i res that resonated with me because mm-hmm. i wasn't going to start talking about things that i didn't wasn't affected by at yep. all mm-hmm. not really so that's why on some of these they're not even particularly bands I would listen to, but I just not, I just really wanted to, these these are definitely notable times and a lot of them are movements and styles of anything I saw popping up and some of my loves and some of them just will always pass me by and I'll never go back to them. So the first one, and this was one that definitely stuck with me um, is Stone Roses. The first like pioneers of like, what would we consider the mad Chester. I fucking Mm. hate that
0: word. I I know, I know.
1: I hate it. I oh, you know. The Madchester. Chester. Um, because I just think Stone Roses are better than all of the boxes they get put into. Every single box they get put mm. into. Indie, Mad mm. Psychedelic Rock. It's just so much better than all that. And I think they are one of the most, they are the sound of Indie yeah. in the very, very late 80s and early 90s. That is the sound. That's where Indie was. That's Indie's flagship right there is Stone Roses. I think yeah. and there anyway. I was a massive fan. I used to have all the cds i still have actually all the cd singles from their debut and i'm one of the very few people not one of the few people who have their second album lots of people have it but i'm one of the few people who like it i actually think their second album is really good it's it's not amazing it's darker it's a lot bluesier like rock album but it's definitely because they didn't release the debut album a second time which they couldn't have done it's so different, it's so darker, and it's so removed from it, they even went, oh no, and I wouldn't mind, it was fucking like 10 years later or something, I can't remember, it was years later it was anyway, ages so later. it was never going to sound the same, um, I always liked the way the Stone Roses kind of, like, I remember years ago, even just looking for, there's not really a massive amount of interviews, they don't like talking to the media, they never really did their things, the media don't like them or hate them, they're just,
0: yeah. normally when, always, we knew, we when, all, you
1: knew, when you ignore the media, you usually get, bashed
0: yeah i always got the feeling that they didn't do interviews because everybody in the band was like mad in their own way and it would have just came across as a fucking circus possibly that's, yeah that's always the feeling i got off them that it was like, like almost all the bands if you go back and look at that Manchester scene and that, let's look at we don't fucking know happy mondays or yeah even further on into black grape or whatever you know pick pick any of those kind of bands whenever you see interviews with them when they're kind of when they were in their peak, you see interviews with them now, and they're, they're funny. They understand what's what's yeah. expected of them. But when you watch interviews from the from these guys uh, around the times that they were huge, it's a fucking cluster fuck because they were all most of these guys were to pick out the council houses. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. you, you throw some money at them, and the first thing they do is buy the biggest block of hash and the biggest bag of coke and all the pills in the world, and maybe and, a new guitar, maybe a new guitar. So the label boys have a new guitar and builds them for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I, I yeah, you, you often
1: see the interviews, and they're like. First of all, they can't do the same interview twice. So if they've already done an interview yeah. or we're remotely, uh, like sort of responding to the questions, they won't do that again for the next person. They're like, oh, we've yeah. done all this already. We do this again. You yeah. can see them, and like, Ian Brown's an interesting guy, and so is John Score. They all are, but yeah. they never want to talk about it. That's part of the swagger though, as well. Big the swagger that started Britpop.
0: Yeah. He's- Cause they were is, cool as fuck. Like when you go back they and were look,
1: cool, but yeah. they were genuinely cool as fuck. Yeah, genuinely. I really think nobody. Th- I don't know. Maybe Lou Reed told them, and Iggy Pop and John Lydon told them how to be like this was by accident. But I don't know. I always got the impression that it was never forced with Stone Roses. So, like, I didn't really, I didn't really go mad when they broke up. But I just, I just knew that. Like, I was waiting around for that album for a long time, and I still liked it. But what we did get was some savage Ian Brown albums we I did. think Yeah, uh, Manny Joins the absolutely unreal Primal Scream Yeah, John Square started a band called Seahorses with one
0: good song that's right Seahorses <laughs> I, really, I was only talking about them a while ago they had
1: one great song Love, Love is the Law is a good, yeah. great song yeah. it is it's it's a fun song but I got the album and I was like ugh no but
0: there was another band called Sparkle Horse I so used to always get them mixed up with Oh, Sparkle Horse is yeah. way better. Yeah. yeah, That's more of a, I think they're more of a folky kind of indie. I, think so. of. I can't fucking remember. Yeah. Um, so yeah,
1: the, Stone Roses are a hugely important seminal band for everything that happened afterwards. Britpop uh, and stuff like that. But um, you could literally talk, you could talk about Stone Roses without bringing up indie. That's yes. how good I think yeah. they are anyway. Yeah. Um, I, know, I know loads of people who hate indie, but they still love Stone Roses. And that says to me kind of a bit, because gold. Is an unreal song. It's absolutely incredible. It's almost perfect. Uh, love spreads, and then you've got. I know loads of like metalers who love. I want to be adored. Mm. It's gotty. It's gotty. It's it creepy. Gotty, it's yeah. unnervy, yeah. and it's one of the most well-written songs of. I want to be adored was the four is it is eighty nine 8990, yeah, mm. so uh, that's the first big one. That's my yeah. that's my first notable, Manchester. The beginning yeah. of that and. Yeah, that's the Stone Roses. So, Who are we moving on to now?
0: We're moving on to R.E.M. Okay. Now, yeah. R.E.M. The college, this is the American college indie. Yeah, very much yeah. so. So th- this to me is where um, where the kind of line is drawn between that kind of British indie and American alternative music. Um, These are, for me, they're kind of, the, Jason Neely, like the the poster child for American um Indian alternative. So yeah. Uh, I always considered, I like REM, but I'm not like... I forget I like R.E.M., if you get me. There's just so much yeah, styles of R.E.M., though. so many. There's 15 because albums. they're going from the 80s. Like, yeah. You know I mean? so. so they formed in Athens, Georgia, which is where the B-52s are from as well. And actually, yeah. there's about 10 bands from this fucking little city um, in Georgia, which is mad. From the 1980, and they went all the way up to 2011 before they knocked it on the head. So their first, um, first single was in 1981 it was called Radio Free Europe on a little tiny indie label called Hibtone. And they stuck around with Hibtone for a little while. And um, they actually bounced kind of from indie label to indie label. And um, eventually, they would go on to sell 60 million. Um, sorry, that, yeah, that, that's, that, that's a lie that's 90, million. 90 million. 90 million.
1: I didn't think they sold that much. Yeah, that's
0: crazy. 90 million albums worldwide is what they sold. Jesus. Yeah. Their, their first mainstream hit was in 1987. So, um, like I said, they formed in 1980. The first single was 1981. So, within six years, they brought out the one I love and that was that done fucking bananas don't
1: well. give up lads that's what we're trying to say actually no, that much. was the 80s when, when music worked properly yeah, so, yeah exactly don't, don't when give it was up. a scene yeah um, <laughs> seven,
0: it just take seven years and you get that one hit exactly yeah so uh, that fucking this one goes out to the one I love for whatever that's, it a, that's such a great song it's a great song so that was their first big mainstream hit they'd had a, they'd had a bunch of other songs that done particularly well um, the song I picked is a song called Bandwagon, which is off kind of a compilation of the really, really early stuff. And it's actually real. Listen to it; it's fucking mental, man. It's fucking mental listening to it. Um, I don't
1: know this song. Really.
0: Yeah, is, I, I, I wanted to pick uh, something kind of off. Uh, most of the songs I picked are kind of weirder, slightly weird. You know, weird for the purposes effort. of the podcast, I really could have listened to it, but I
1: was so I was up to me bollocks I, I, this week. I was up to me bollocks. I just yeah. finished the this this podcast like in my head.
0: Yeah, just like before we sat down. Seconds started. before we sat down, yeah, I, yeah. I, I finished writing about an hour ago, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I did actually have I wanted to sit down and listen to all of them, but it's not going to happen until the podcast is over, and then maybe we'll talk about it maybe at Lost Art TV or something later. Um, yeah, well, I think all my ones are fairly obvious. To be fair, so you can skip them. <laughs> uh, and just listen to the ones you know already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what happened was, uh, as we, we've talked about with a million other bands, the, the kind of this weird uh, bidding war erupted. Um, weird, had war. erupted and they ended up signing to Warner Brothers in 1996 um, for, I think they gave him $80 million, $80 million signing fee, which I think at the time was like one of the biggest, and actually, no, it was, was their most expensive record contract ever at the time. Um, $80 million to sign them on. Uh, their next album that they brought out was called New Adventures in Hi-Fi. And what's a great, fucking, it's a phenomenal it's a, album. great album. But what's fucking mad about that album is that they recorded... Um, the, the vast majority of that album was recorded during sound soundcheck, checks while they were on tour really? So yeah so they're on stage they had their engineer with them and while they were fucking warming up and sound checking they would play new songs and stuff like that that's brilliant and that's how they recorded the new album while they were on tour so they did, never had to fuck off and um, back then they did go to a studio for overdubs and obviously mixing and whatever yeah Um, but they recorded the vast majority of it on the fly uh, while on tour, um, they had but <laughs> this is something cool that I found out before they were called REM. Um, they were, they were called IBS, they were originally going to be called. They had they, it was a toss up apparently between uh, a couple of names, but one of the names was Cans of Piss, which I think is kind of cool. Cans of Piss, but I just
1: I can't see a Gigi Allen song title, yeah, being, exactly. like for someone who's singing a. And uh, the, I will find a river. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. and uh, the other name they, they considered was Negro Eyes, which uh, yeah, don't go with that. Don't, don't go with that. that. Like, not going Scra- to scratch that one. Especially down. not when you're from fucking Georgia. Um, yeah. But anyway, most of the success wow. came from the American <laughs> College uh, Radio, which was a huge deal. Even when I was in my fourth band in like the late nineties um, or mid nineties, should I say? Yeah, it would have been mid early mid nineties. Would have been my fourth band. And uh, that was a big deal, was trying to get like songs burnt on the CD and mailing them to American like college radio stations was a big, big fucking deal. Because that's where bands were being made. It was that simple back then. Uh, nobody was playing kind of alternative music. Nobody was doing anything with it. But if you now get you it into the hands... To, now of you the just have to CD. send...
1: New, I know I'm sounding very old and bitter about the music scene in this episode, especially because I am in the middle of doing an album that's going to yeah. be posted, posted to the sea. Uh, so... Now it's now it's that sounds cool. You see, hoping you hear something back, or even just yeah. hear on radio. Now it's like forwarding an email where you're trying to have a kooky, quirk, quirky yeah. kind of headline. Go, I know you've got seven million demos today.
0: One yeah. one tiny uh, online magazine, but <laughs> you know, it's, know it, I, it's mad the way it's gone like that. Where it's like, I know when I was trying to get reviews from yoke and I got zero. Like I mailed out so many different places, and uh, no one got back to me. And it's it's not disheartening, because again, like I said before, I just I banged to get it through without... Well, if it's not disheartening, it's surely just a little bit unusual. It's just weird that there wasn't a single response from anyone um, even saying, we're up to our bollocks. I can't you know I mean? wait for that to happen yeah, to well, again, I'm going to go off the rails and drink for like a week. <laughs> the, like, I, I poured my heart and soul
1: into that <laughs> album.
0: Yeah, I think it's... um. Uh, from, from talking to people who have been getting trying to get stuff reviewed for the last couple of years it's very much a case of uh, you have to know somebody who knows somebody or oh, you back. have to be gigging every week man yeah yeah exactly uh, every week anyway back to REM so REM oh, e. oh yeah e. REM remember them uh, so in yeah. the States in the States originally they, they weren't referred to as like alternative music it wasn't really a thing yet um, it, it would have been very soon after they signed with, um, with Warner Brothers but originally they would have been called J- Jangle Pop which was a thing, jangle pop. Um, the Smiths were also considered jangle pop in the States. Right,
1: yeah. Um, I know what they mean. It's that guitar tone, <laughs> Exactly. And the, it's that and really, the way they play it. And yeah. it's the, the long short that they have from art school. I
0: know. Exactly. So, jangle like pop is what they call it. So eventually they ended up putting out 15 albums, um, about two thirds of which are actually good. The last three or four of them are kind of gack. And that's what made them knock it on the heads. They broke up in 2011 after... Um, the last album they put was called Collapse into Now, and it just didn't do well. And the last two, or, two or three before that, didn't do well. And apparently, they just got together and they said, "Well, fucking, but the tank is empty, lads. Like, you know what? Yeah. We could keep going and like pumping stuff out that we're not really mad into. But like, or, or we can like, the legacy is still there. Like, we can st- like, ODM will always be there. It just won't be us anymore, you know. It's so mad, uh, yeah. they decided to kind of knock that in the head. So uh, as far as I'm saying, they REM are kind of America's best effort uh uh kind of the when you when you when you look at like the way Ori f- formed and putting out albums on tiny labels and eventually getting too big and then moving on to another label and then becoming like the most expensive record contract ever. They're selling ninety million copies of of, of albums. Like, to me they're the best f- kind of foot forward for for US yeah. kind of alternative indie. Um, they're
1: mad as well because they didn't write songs for stadiums, but they ended up in stadiums yeah. because their songwriting was so good. Yeah, their songwriting is insanely good that they could literally slowborn slow, just rise, sort of I know they exploded, but what I'm saying is they didn't have to change that and they had to change their albums. None of their albums were particularly bombastic. They had a few grungy bits like yeah. What's the Frequency and kind of stuff yeah. off Monster, but they never felt like they were writing for bigger audiences. Yeah, I some think of my favourite indie bands do that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Elbow. Elbow started off as such a dark band, but they yeah. I feel like playing so many festivals they needed those big, yeah, big crowds crowd yeah. songs. Then yeah. that doesn't mean they're not good. Yeah. They're not. The fucking crying in the corner and
0: defeat the position songs at the first album or so. Yeah. Exactly, um, so yeah, that, that was already, um, the song was Bandwagon, um, and that's off an early compilation of their stuff. Who was your next one? My
1: next one, I wanted to talk about Britpop, okay. but I really didn't want to talk about Britpop. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Britpop's funeral. Okay. Which is much more interesting. And we did yes. touch, touch on the death of Britpop in the episode, though the influential songs for decades, yes. We, we, yes. Talk, we talked about the death of Britpop with OK Computer. The release yep. of Open Computer in 1997, but it wasn't the, it, like that, that, that didn't have to have to be the death of it, but it was. Uh, but yeah. it was also because of a few other things, and we'll get into that now. So, um, Britpop was a continuation, obviously, of the Madchester scene, yeah, that Oasis were massively influenced by, hmm. uh, and the Stone Rose and stuff like that, um, but. And Oasis's first two albums are fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're, super, they're super. Yeah. Especially the second one. The first one is the little, the swaggery rock and roll yeah, yeah. thing. The second one is much more mature songwriting, but still with the rock. In fact, the rock and roll songs of the second one are the weakest parts. Yes. But whatever. Um, we're going to talk about their third album, which was released a month after OK Computer. Three months after OK Computer. So the problem with that was the world had changed. Yes. And not just indie music, the world of music had changed. Yeah. An indie band, a grungy indie band had just pulled the full pink flies and yeah. changed everything. And it just so happens that everyone was still like, fuck this garbage music. I want to hear what Oasis have to say about this. Mm. So, <sighs> I'm listening to Oasis' third album as a, as a big enough fan my mind has already been changed about how things are going. I yeah. don't want to act like a, a, a me retrospective of what mm. I thought things were what happened back then. Like, I was, you know, I knew things were going to be so different from that moment, <laughs> but I did. I fucking did, man. I really knew yeah. things were going to be... I think everyone
0: did. I went, oh, Jesus. Yeah, when I heard it, I went, watch this.
1: Yeah. yeah. So still being the Oasis fan I was and all my mates were monster Oasis fans and everybody I worked with at the time, when, we, when it was released... Was people listening to it on mint like the little mini disc players, not yeah. the, mini disc, the disc mint and stuff like that? I think pretty sure they were. Oh, yeah, or even just maybe on tape or something like that, or on their lunch breaks in work to talk about it, yeah, with each other afterwards. It was so big. And I listened to it at home, um, that night, I think. And then I came back into work and everyone was going mad about it. But the problem was when I listened to it, I got to track six, yeah. and I knew by then that our ways were born now. Yeah, there's nothing left in the tank. And that's the track, uh, the track I picked, uh, The Girl in the Dirty Shirt. It's shite. And I knew, I hadn't figured out the album by then.
0: I, it, The first five tracks, there's a couple of good songs like... Uh, I'm trying to remember what's on this album. I'm just looking at it here now. It's view um, album. What's on here? Do you know what I mean? My big mouth, Ma- magic pie, stand by me. so the I first know. song.
1: Do you know what I mean? Is actually a good song. it Doesn't really go anywhere, but it's a good song. It's yeah. good. Like uh, magic pie is the first from the Noel sings on the album. And I actually mm. quite like it. Uh, I hope I think I know is not a great song, but it's 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 old Oasis. But it was yeah. when they hit this song. I went no, I, I already know. I already yeah. know how I feel about this album. Oh, um, all then, around the
0: world is on this. Jesus
1: fucking I am the Even bin the man. Of, even the song with Johnny Depp, I think it's yeah. Fade In, Fade Out, is a bit boring. It doesn't go anywhere. And even if, like, if you read up a bit what Noel Goller has to say about it now, he's like, that's shit, man. Yeah. There was, it sounds like a bunch of coked up dopes that don't know what they're doing. And uh, it is. The song's it is, yeah. It definitely up. was, yeah. yeah. He mentioned there's no bass guitar on the whole album. I haven't really noticed that, but I'll have to go back and, and listen to that. So the press loves this album.
0: Mm. But,
1: and my mates loved it. But this we see this a lot. It's it, it flatters first of all right the expectations are so big and yeah. they're so good and they've done so much for people's music guitar music and that people don't want the tour album to be bad Of course they don't the, and the, the we've seen pre-programmed these, and it's not even like i think it's a bad album but I, I will accept that some people will could convince me it's an okay album. that's fine yeah but that will disagree on that but i won't disagree i won't agree with them on this, the fact that this is a good album is not the same way certain bands in Ireland now, we listen to it and we're being told this is the five out of five album. Yeah, and it's, it's just I just I would know even if I didn't like it, I would know. Yeah, like, exactly. There's other bands on this play on this playlist that I can understand that I've picked that I don't even really listen to that much, but they are notable ones, which is why I've mentioned. Them. Yes, yes.
0: Um, so, what I always felt about Oasis when it came to this third album. Oasis, after the second album, Oasis were like, shot into the stratosphere. They were so big. The yeah. second album was so fucking huge. <clears throat> and the big problem with Oasis was that a good chunk of their followers and fans were fucking dirt. Well, I, I
1: get into that now, you see. That's why okay. I think OK Computer was so important. Because it was almost like a dirty glare across the pub. It was. The, a the, load of lads. Exactly. It was not like... It was the I won't say art students because I hate when I go no. like, if you're constantly get called art Students. Yeah. I, I don't know if they were or not.
0: It just so happens that Moody or Music comes with that. But that's what that was. That's a way and, I always felt about it. it so them them coked up fucking yeah above our boy fucking English and, stag party that, fucking hearth and that's,
1: and that's why so many people that even liked the wise were ready to just drop the scene. They were sick of it already. There was so much hard drugs and being a lad. Yeah. And I've, a friend of mine always says he hates Oasis because it gives gives knackers notions. I don't like that phrase because yeah. it's so it's so classist anyway. Yeah. For a start, but it's it's fucking it's really problematic. Yeah, because it's, I don't know. Yeah, to, yeah. I was about to say we wouldn't have you to okay spelling example.
0: But, mm, but no, but, it's, t- but, t- but
1: a lot of people feel that way. They have But they thought Oasis brought all these people into their. Uh, Fucking like little tiny safe bubble of yes. rock music,
0: yeah. And I mean, so what? Like, I don't know, like, I just, lo- there's lo- nothing, yeah. Nothing, nothing really, mates were wrong lads with it. Lads. yeah. I yeah. loads we, of mates who are lads and that's all they listen to. My dad when, was obsessed with them, you know. Yeah, what I
1: mean? so, so what I'm saying is, there was a lot of people with that, like ready to drop Oasis, even though they like them because of this fan base, which is not yeah. fair, it's not fair on the people that you're talking about it's not for it's, it's mad classes and it's fucking weird but yeah. it always stuck with me that like that could be a part of rip-off dying like you said mm, yeah that, people were ready to get rid of that as well as that the beefs the tabloid beefs were way yeah. that was a huge part to push it forward tabloids cared less about the music that they were making and way much more how much culture were doing which yeah Patsy yeah. patsy kenza who, who's who they're seeing right now um and he married. And Noel th-
0: married one of the girls from All Saints as well, didn't he?
1: And yeah, that's right. So did uh, so, so Liam, yeah. Liam, so yeah. there was magic. And there was Blue All Saints was not away, bad bands, so to be fair. All Saints not fine. bad bands. Yeah. Um. So, so the lad culture. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's that's my thing. Yeah. Um. Okay, computer. Like I said, is the big sneer across the fucking club yeah. at those. I. I always think, are they are they the goth of, of indie? But we won't. I think Suede were a force band to start yeah. trying to te- tempt guts to the indier or side of things. Yeah, come over
0: here, yeah, I like this. <laughs> but we will go
1: into we will go into later about uh,
0: who who helped with that aspect of it. So who's your next one? Uh, my next one is uh, I kind of gave I gave every band I picked a little kind of bullet point as to why I picked them, and I picked uh, this band because they were. One of the first bands I think that kind of mashed it all together, and that was Primal Scream. Um, oh, they're great. Yeah, yeah the thing, I have a love hate relationship with Primal Scream, and that some of the stuff is fantastic and some of it is dirt, and they know that as well. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I just have, I have, like, they've made two of my favorite albums well, Exterminator like, I say, and, Stream, and Scream, Scream, yeah. yeah, the two of those. Yeah, like those those albums, those albums are, are are fucking fantastic. Now uh, I picked the song called "Imperial," which is off um, uh, Sonic Flower Groove, which is I think the fourth album I think. So <laughs> um, formed in Glasgow in Scotland in 1982. Yeah, they've, they've there's there's a good case to be made here for Primal Screen being a super band as well. So uh, you got it, Bobby it, from yeah. They ended what? up with, with fucking... I, got, I have a couple of names written down here. I'll get through them. Uh, but they ended up going through 22 members um, throughout the career of the band, Like, which is fucking batshit mad. So it was formed by uh, Bobby Gillespie, who yeah. uh, founded them while he was playing with the Jesus and Mary Chain. So, so he was so a drummer, wasn't he? He was a drummer for the Jesus and Mary mm. Chain. So what he was doing is that he was kind of doing double duty. Um, he was doing the, the primal scream thing, and he was doing uh, Jesus and Mary Chain, And the Jesus and Mary chain turned around and said listen you need to pick one so he picked his own band he picked he Primus picked better, he picked a better band well that's up oh, oh for debate. we'll see no it's not <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it is Jesus. So, very, very important. But I, I, I the prime skill of songs and music to songs, man. Yeah. So, uh, the, ended up getting signed to Alan McGee's Creation Records, which is like one of the most important record labels, probably of yeah. all time. Who, also Oasis. got Oasis as well. Yeah. Yeah. O- a hundred other fucking bands that are incredibly important. Um, if you go through the, the the kind of the rogues gallery of of bands that Alan McGee signed, like is, he might be a fucking bit of an asshole. But he um he has the fucking ear. Like he has Got the, the ear fucking ear. Yeah. Um now what they done, this is why I think they're important, is that they jumped from scene to scene, which is fucking mad. They yeah, like they they, they jumped from like acid house to psychedelic stuff, like that jangle pop, rock and roll, shoe dance music, like they, they ended up banging all of it together. Um eventually Manny from the Stone Roses jumped in. Um he played right. he playing with them for for, for ages um, I think the, the drummer from the Stone Roses came in then as well at a later date he I played. think that
1: Rennie played with them for a little bit maybe live Rennie does a yeah. lot of stuff live he, he's, really yeah. st- he's,
0: got one out, he's got one band something in the order Ruffles or something like I that. can't remember yeah. there's, there's so many of the fucking things but there's so many uh, yeah, they ended up with uh, Kevin Shields and My Bloody Valentine playing with them for ages as well he's like a mm. temporary permanent kind of member so yeah. if, he, if he can he'll deal with you know that type of thing um, yeah. They've had so many session musicians come in and out of the band over the years. Like the, the timeline is fucking crazy. Uh, they play with like a lot of backing singers as well, especially with the screaming. Like a stuff yeah, they've have a lot old. of backing singers, a lot of kind of extra musicians because they they had some albums where they went real heavy down the kind of synthesizer route and kind of yeah uh, pre-program stuff and let the the log standard instruments sit in the background and then sometimes they bring it back where they kind of he said himself, um, Bobby Gillespie kind of. They, they went from that jangly style to like rock where they just, he said that we just discovered rock and roll and we realized we were a really, really good rock and roll band. So yes. Yeah, so get That song rocks. Do you remember? Exactly. Get your rocks and then, off. Yeah. And then
1: like that was after Scream of I think, wasn't it? Uh, that
0: was, oh, I think I can't remember. Can't remember. I, is that not off Scream of It is remember. off it, is it? I think it's off. No, it's okay. not. If I it's not, be. it's off the fucking one after it. Um, Cause I know exterminator was a couple of years later. Um, because they start writing weird, weird political songs, then he he got in, he got in big trouble as well. He started fucking. Um. <laughs> yeah, now, move,
1: move, moving on up is the song I'm thinking of. That's the kind of yeah. rockier one off. This uh, the, the fourth song off screen out to you?
0: He he, he start getting in trouble. Bobby Gillespie started getting in trouble then because he was there were he start getting into kind of political stuff and more political theme songs. And then he was getting asked to uh, you know do you want to do this gig? Yeah, do you remember Plastic Yeah, exactly. And that actually started,
1: sounds a little bit like. It's fucking an REM previous name. Yeah, like exactly.
0: Uh, yeah, yes. Foster always, and he? he was he was fucking Jack built me the stage. Fucking Sig Holen, and she got in trouble for that. Oh, did he? Um, I remember yeah. that fucking
1: line: "A military-industrial illusion yeah. democracy."
0: Yeah, they pulled him off stage it. for that. And everything. And then, and then it's like stuff where he had to like sign merchandise and sign posters that were going to be auctioned off for like a you know a, char- a cancer charity or something like that, and he started like yeah. scribbling out the names of 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 other people and what the cause was and start writing, like, Free Palestine and, like, uh, just just silly stuff. It is is important, but, like, you weren't there to do that there and then, fucking Bobby, so chill the fuck out, you know? Uh, They took Asian Dub Foundation on tour with them. That's kind of how Asian Dub Foundation got got their big kind of leg up. Mm. um, And uh, actually... When you listen to it, there's loads of that kind of early, dub, early Asian dub foundation stuff. I think might have leaked into the, the Primal Scream fucking blood as well, because they definitely have um, bits, bits and yeah. bobs of that. I fucking love Asian dub foundation. I fucking love it. Um, they're kind of the poster child for indie not being like a genre and more of like, a, like we said, more of a bracket. For me, they're, they're like that band that took all these different styles um, like that, that like we we're saying, the Manchester, the jangle pop, the fucking psychedelic, yeah, the, all of it. You know, Screaming
1: uh, could be considered an indie classic, but yeah. Exterminator is up there with Prodigy. Yeah, so
0: it's completely, you can't call Prodigy it, indie. Exactly. Really. Um, it, not really, no. I, like, for me, these are the guys that just like like the list of indie bands is just fucking endless, and none of the bands really sound alike—not really that much. But we're lost and, in uh, indie, exactly. In a trap. <laughs> yeah, but for me, Primal Scream—one of the bands that just glued all of it together and kind of came out the other end, still with their legendary status. They're jumping and seeing hopping never really yeah. affected them that much, and i would still considered it to be a classic band. Anyway, that's uh, that's Primal Scream Ooh. with uh, Imperial. Who's your next one?
1: Big one from the turn of the century. Um, turn of the century? Mm. Turn of the decade in 2001. Not even the turn, that's a year. What, what, let, me, let me start that again. In 2001, The Strokes came out, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that was big. Yes. This, was the, this was the infusion of like 70s New York punk. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it, they, they said, we're indie now. We're, yep. That's why. It, in, uh, sorry, in, and, and they said indie is this. We're indie and indie is this. India is now 70s New York punk uh, yeah. style thing, so that's where you get the hives, the vines, soul wax, even. Uh, you get the killers, whether that's a good or bad thing, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you also, around the 2000s as well, like, I'm obviously gonna I pick the strokes, I'm gonna talk about the strokes and that yep. kind of music, but around the same time, the folkier side of things were kicking off with Bell and Sebastian. That's, that's why right, I didn't yeah. know whether to go with the strokes or Bell and Sebastian. Yeah, and um, I was kind of like, look. Which had the bigger the bigger like impact. Uh, which which should I want to talk about? And mm. um, so I'll talk about folk a little bit little bit later. A little bit later. Yeah. Not with Balance Bastion, not quite yet, even though I like I love Balance Bastion. I really do, I think they're mm. deadly. Um this the strokes were kind of my Wheeland's heyday, and I never really had a Wheeland's heyday. I just remember sometimes I wouldn't go to Fibbers and listen to Rammstein. Yeah, I would go to Wheelands, especially if there was a gig on in Wheelens. Like something like Cycle first, maybe play and we'll playing wheelings and we are go yeah. you know what I'll walk all the way across town to go to Fibers for the club afterwards Wheelings, will kick you out and you have to pay back in again whatever yeah. used to do that that's fine and I used to love Dance to the Strokes and always the Charlatans, the only one I know, which is yeah. one of the best songs ever written. Yeah, just wait for that song. I wouldn't even to ask a DJ. I wouldn't insult them. You know it was coming. He also had the Libertines around here, and I, mm. I'm not gonna lie, I miss, completely missed about the Libertines. They were never really my thing. I know how influential they are. And I know yeah. everyone talks with them. I know my mates with tattoos are they're mad about the fucking Libertines and stuff. Mm. Crazy about them. um But I never. Th- they were obviously part of that. I know that. Arctic Monkeys came a little bit after it as well because yeah. of the strokes. And I do like them a lot. I don't yeah. know how people don't like them. Well, I do know how people don't like them, but I really think that's um, going back. Like if you've got the strokes and you aimed it back at Oasis, you'd probably end up with the Arctic Monkeys I think somewhere. So, yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's a very good example or, or something to say, but I've said it now and it's, it's, it's,
0: it's
1: on It's too record. late now. Too late. It's on record now. I mean, We all knew this 70s punk thing, the white stripes and all that. It wasn't going to last, but no. it was fucking deadly when it was out. It was. It was exciting because the music was so high energy. Yeah. And um, I know a lot of people that, like, even where, let's say, old school rockers, Led Zeppelin, uh, going, yeah, I can dig this as well. It's blend. That's what loads of things in indie did. It always blended to, I wouldn't say genres, when it did blend millions of genres, but scenes, it, it linked scenes together. Big an time, awful yeah. Like we were just talking about Primal scream. How many scenes is that crowd? Is one of their crowd?
0: It's batchy. It's, it's batchy, like,
1: mad. They remind me of Killing Joke in a lot of ways. They yeah. had, they went from a certain sound and went, you know, it's deadly, mad, like aggressive industrial uh, political music. We should do that. It's like really, yeah,
0: yeah. So that'll
1: work. Yeah. So I look at like I said, look, we knew this. We knew this wasn't going to really. Work for long, and it didn't. Yeah. I'd say by two thousand and five, a lot of strokes like kept going with a few bangers. But I mean, I can't really. I don't really know yeah, any songs that, that, off their tour album. Yeah. I don't know any so the, the hives. I think the but the cardigans. No, the cardigans were earlier than this. They were ninety late nineties. Yeah, yeah. Around, we were thinking the same time, like because the hives were Swedish and, and uh
0: the hives were super And no. the that, 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 those yeah. first couple of Hives songs were fucking great. Like like I said, that high kind of high octane kind of rock and roll style that was doing the rounds at the time. That was definitely like derivative of like MC5 and stuff like that, you know? Oh, and definitely. Like, yeah. yeah. I had to, But yeah. it was so fucking good. Even like, I was never mad into the white stripes. I was there when Jack, uh, Jack White got the shit kicked out of him in Detroit once. I was in the pool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't know who the fuck it was. Beat the shit out of him. Um, they, remember that song, the Hotel Yorba? I love that song. Yeah. So fucking, that's an actual, we'll keep that's keep a place. Yeah. That's an actual place. we used to drive past that in Detroit all the time. And I'd be like, oh, Hotel yeah. But it was this bar that everybody used to drink at in Detroit called, um, uh, it was called the Majestic. And it was, I think I had like two names. I had like a bowl and alley in it. I had like a yeah. bar, a bowling and alley in and a venue. And when we toured, we played there a couple of times. But it's where everybody drank in Detroit. Like, whether you were big or small, like, you didn't like Kid Rock could be in there, you know what I mean? One night, yeah. like it, it could be anybody, and there was some fucking rail kicked off there some night. And uh, I was there on my own, I was standing in the corner, and um, wasn't on my own, but I didn't, I wasn't with the band, and uh fucking kicked off because there was a mate who ran a little small record label over there called Hell City Records and uh, he grabbed a hold of me and he started shouting <laughs> he started shouting there's this fucking Jack White from the White Stripes over there getting the kicked out of him I was like who's killing him who's killing him and he fucking he told me who it was I kind of fucking remember but it was some there was some guy or some band that had like a beef with the White Stripes over fucking something and uh, <laughs> it, it was it, but it was like famous I can't I, I mean has gone to shite now but it was, like someone yeah. from like the Vines or fuck, one of them type of fucking bands that were around yeah. at the same time that had beef um, with them it's like that Brian, Brian Johnstown Massacre versus fucking Dandy Warhols, uh, Dandy yeah. Warhols, was that was a similar type of fucking beef that was going on, and th- th- yeah, yeah, man, uh, Jack got the shoe kicked out of him. Um, but yeah, like I said, that that, that, that high octane MC5 style, fucking kind of indie rock and roll, was fucking so good. Like for about two, three years, like it was, it took everything over. Like, yeah. not no, there was nothing else down the rounds that that could even hold like, against like,
1: it. like like I know I said like I, I came for Fibbers listening to the metal and stuff like that uh, to take to go to weekends every now and then. But even when I was DJing, I'd played the Strokes on the Floor before.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, especially so yeah, especially picked, this song, picked,
1: like this song's like sick. I, yeah, I picked last night. I mean, it's yeah. it's a, it's a it's a very important but brief time in yes. a, in indie music. But so was so was all this. Uh, exactly, that right. was that was the Strokes last night, and it was the like you said, high octane seventies New York yeah. punk style uh, taking over in indie. Big so time. who
0: is uh, who's your next one? uh they had to. They had to go in. It's uh, probably the, the best example of indie music ever. It's The Smiths. Um, I
1: love The Smiths.
0: Yeah, and I'm a big fan of The Smiths. I love
1: The Smiths.
0: I know. Uh, so I picked Hand and Glove because it was their first single. Um, formed in Manchester in 1982, knocked it on the head in '87. So they kind of born bright and quick and fucked off. And um, probably the most important UK indie band ever. Uh, possibly one of the most important bands ever. Yes. Uh, yeah. It was like. <laughs> It's hard to know whether thing. them or Joy Division are more are, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't different know. ways I, think in different it, directions. Yeah. I, I think it's hard to separate them because it's hard to find people who, like, who like, like the Smiths that don't like Joy Division and vice versa. Yeah. Um, they're almost lumped in to the same You will find a category. lot of people that like Joy Division and don't like the Smiths though. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the other way around, you, it's yeah, different. <laughs> exactly. Once you're in, you're fucking in. Uh, the Smiths was a, was a weird uh, rejection of popular music. It's, it's basically how, it was. How, um, how Morrissey and fucking Marr kind of summed it up. Uh, even the name, uh, the, the idea behind the name is fucking fantastic. Someone asked him, you know, we call the Smiths. And he said, well, uh, you know, Smith seems like the most ordinary name um, conceivable. And I thought it was about time that the ordinary people were heard. I was like, oh, that's a good fucking, that's a good name. That's it's a, a very good name. Line. I've been thinking about that one for a long <laughs> exactly, time. Exactly, yeah. But so man, like I said, the, Mar- like, like a, like a, a rejection of fucking popular music at the time. It was, it was a, definitely a throwback to a more kind of a late 60s style music, but with kind of current politics and, and, and juice behind it. Uh, formed by Morrissey and Johnny Marr. Um, over a mutual love of the New York Dolls. Both of them were fucking obsessed by, by the New York Dolls. Uh, they were torn down by factory records. They really, really wanted to get signed to factory records. They really, really did. Um, EMI turned them down, said fucking no. Rough, tri- rough Trade eventually agreed. They, heard, they said, listen, we're not going to sign you but uh, we'll put out a single for you and see how it goes. And they put out Hand and Glove uh, and it fucking went fucking batshit. It man. went gangbusters. <coughs> yeah. Now, this is this is kind of where they, they eventually signed, Rough Tra- Trade eventually signed them after they saw how many copies that Hand and Glove sold. Now, this is where the beginning of the end kind of begins for the Smiths in that the only two people in the band that signed that contract with Rough Trade was Moz and Mark. Yeah. Right. The That's poor the fucking rock and Joyce were just left out completely. Um, this is the beginning of the end for them. Uh, the first album was originally called The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, but Rough Trade didn't like it, so it was scrapped. And they redone it again. So somewhere out there, there's a fucking tape of uh, an unheard Smiths album that I'm sure everybody would love to get their hands on. yeah.
1: I would like to have that please.
0: Me too. I would like to hear it. Now I don't know whether they re just re-record they brought in a new producer and stuff, uh, so I don't know how how reworked the songs are. So you, you can imagine it would be like almost the uh the like the original version of something like in Utero or something where it's yeah it's pretty much the same, but it's very, very fucking different, you know. Um I, I would be very interested in, in hearing that. So they made him go back in and do it again. Um so uh, uh, it's it's a weird one. Mar left because he just he, Mar got a pain in his bollocks with just touring and being go, go, go all the time. Yeah. And that also got a pain in his bollocks because Morrissey was obsessed with covering old 60s singers. <laughs> He's still, still doing it. <laughs> still doing it. Like Apparently, like Mar said, I didn't fucking start me on bleeding. Like indie band, rock band, whatever to do fucking Silla, black covers you know what I mean like I this, want to do Vera Lynn. yeah he was mad for just doing covers 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 like he wanted to do his own stuff but he wanted to throw covers onto every single every EP every album and uh, the rest of the band didn't really give a fuck but Mar was like I can't I just want to write really fucking songs yeah and because uh, Marr had yeah, they're not,
1: writing like some of the best songs ever written, we yeah, don't we have, have yeah,
0: keep doing that? And we don't have to do another like Lee Hazelwood cover, yeah, and, exactly. Like. Um, so apparently, uh, why the Smith sounded like that was because Marr had kind of made a promise to himself, uh, when they started the band that he wasn't going to use distortion, he wasn't going to use like power chords, and he wasn't going to use like bog standard, um, kind of uh, chord progressions, everything had to be mm. done slightly weird and slightly fucking off kilter to keep himself interested and because he was going to be the only guitarist in the band he had to be able to kind of fill out the sound and he was going to do that by sounding different he wasn't going to try and sound full He was going to sound very fucking weird um so margot painless bollocks <laughs> he wanted a little break they finished the tour or something like that and he was like you know what i just i'm not breaking up i just i want to time off yeah At, uh, off he went, and the band were well, kind of pissed off because apparently there was plans for another tour. They were all happy tour, and except for Mar, um, so uh, it just it kind of became a, uh, it became a, what would you call it? Like a little holiday that just kind of cascaded into the Mar and Morrissey kind of taking shots at each other in the yeah. press, and eventually it was just fucking over and done with. Now, this is fucking weird. Eventually, there was. Eventually, there was, there was a couple of uh, cases over songwriting royalties, right? And there was one that was going on, Jesus, well, three years ago, and there was one a couple of years before that again. Mm. And it's, it's fucking mad, like, the, the, the amount of times... Because apparently, Rourke and Joyce thought that they were getting 25% of the royalties. Like, that's what they thought, yeah. And it turned out years later that they were getting, like, 10% each. So... Moz and Mara were taking 40% each and giving the remainder to the other two lads hmm. and even the other two lads didn't notice because they'd never seen contracts they'd never seen anything they just assumed it was across the board even harsh harsh but, but ma- this is what happens with so- Songwriter I don't know I still haven't made up, it's, I haven't made up. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same I haven't made up my mind about it at all like, it's, it's so fucking weird now apparently I can't remember whether it was Joyce or Rook I think I might have been fucking Rook he settled out of court for like a, he was, he was broke. He was broke. I think that was <laughs> the, Yeah, I think that was the base player. And he settled out of court for like, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand, or something like 380,000 pounds. He just settled yeah. for He just, I need to pay off my debts. I need the money fucking now. And they settled and gave it to him. And then later on, Joyce, I think, he was like, I'm not settling. I want my fucking money. Yeah. And I want to backdate it. So he went back in. Uh, and started his own case now apparently around this time something else had happened where i think morrissey was doing solo stuff and morrissey because he was an active member of the band uh, even though the band had broke up he was in the band so he like was having his wages kind of garnished so for every like four pound he made a pound had to go to fucking uh had to go to um Joyce or Rourke or something like that. He was getting real yeah. fucky. And he alluded to the fact that like they had all met up before the case, before the court case. All four of them had met up and they'd come up with a deal and Mar and Moz peeled off like the guts of a million or something and gave it to them. Like he they, Moz and Mar thought this was all sorted. And then mm-hmm. they, they get hit with case after case after case. Now apparently after one of these trials, uh, a judge a judge said in court in front of him um, that he was going to rank the band's intelligence. And this is fucking mad weird because it's not going to go the way you think. He was like, okay, Rourke and Joyce, basically you're unintellectual. You're stupid. You're stupid for letting this happen to you. Um, you're stupid for not dealing with it earlier. And uh, you're, you're fucking, you're stupid for the way you're dealing with it now and settling with the court and all this stupid bullshit. And then he said that fucking, Mar was the most intelligent because Mar would get up and he uh, would have
1: said that. Yeah.
0: A, so Mar was getting up and he was saying like, he was, he apparently, Apparently, like the prosecution who were going after the money were kind of happy with what, what, what Mar was saying. He was like, Yeah, they do deserve it, like, they definitely do deserve it, but like, they didn't agree to it back then either. You know what I mean? He was like, Yeah, he was kind of playing devil's advocate. He's like, Listen, if they, if they win, they'll get the money, but I don't know if they should win because this has been going on for fucking 30 years now, yeah. and like. Uh, that that money doesn't exist from the Smiths anymore. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's fucking gone. And then the judge obviously said that 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 Morrissey fits somewhere between unintellectual and fucking quite intelligent. And apparently that that would have worked fucking Moz something fierce because apparently when he was <laughs> when he was on the stand, he'd just keep fucking blathering like doing his normal Morrissey thing, where he'd go he'd go off in a big. Diet he sang so
1: many songs about the judges and the legal system. I exactly.
0: Think. Off a solo stuff. They might, they might over. have went, might have went fucking after him. Uh, so in two thousand and nine, apparently they were offered fifty million pounds to do a couple of reunion gigs, like three. years. is a Coachella. No, they were offered Coachella money, and uh, they turned that down. Now apparently that money was fucking outrageous.
1: Their their money is man Like they yeah. they're trying to they're trying to make the impossible happen. Sometimes Pretty they much. almost they almost got uh, the cocktail twins for fuck's sake. There you go. They even agreed to it, but they just like physically couldn't make each other be in the same place. Really?
0: Yeah. Um Now apparently, the the rumours of how much they were offered by Coachella was wrong. The rumour was doing the rounds. It was like fucking ninety million dollars or something like that. But then I think Morrissey came out or Mar came out and said like, "No, nah, it's bollocks. They never offer us that much." Um, yeah. But then a, I think a UK promoter said, "I'll give you fifty million pounds." Fifty. Um. And that made and what, for what? What? What is that for? One for gig? Three gigs? Three gigs? Three arena gigs? Yeah. yeah he's a hundred percent obviously losing his money on that. Uh, I don't know. It depends on how much. I mean, how big are the arenas? You know what I mean? Could
1: not not make it fifty million even. Uh, TV rights even. Uh, I, don't I think. Know. I think he's like paying at least ten million there just to see the Smiths back together. Uh, more there. than likely, I mean, think about I, see, I don't know, I can't run the numbers in my head. I don't know what's what's
0: Crow Park. Crow Park is 80,000 80, people, and that's I think the third biggest stadium in Europe, right? So let's bring it down to 60,000 people. Let's pick a bog standard. Like, how many mm. does what does Old Trafford hold off the top of your head? Probably 50, 60, yeah? That seems to be standard. Of, a lot of saps, uh, whatever. What's your one? Anfield, fifty-one, I think. There you go. Right, so fifty-six. Keeps sequels, changing
1: every time I check. it Keeps changing.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Let's let's say fucking fifty thousand people is a Bog Standard Stadium, right? By the time you work the yeah, uh, the stage and it the should does three a.m. So that's a, what's that? One hundred and fifty thousand people, and you're gonna have your, your cheapest tickets gonna be a hundred quid. Yeah,
1: right? ninety pounds. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's gonna be a fucking nosebleeder, and then the closer you get, they're going you're gonna get up for the Smiths. You're gonna get up to eight nine hundred quid for like ringside essentially is what you're gonna eat like these little boots and shit you know what i mean yeah. and then you're gonna have merch you're gonna have fucking gargoyle. okay so they've
1: made they've made five million from the first gig i just checked it there
0: yeah
1: <laughs> so, uh, but, but, but that's, that's, that's five million that's, five million. I, I, that's without expenses exactly so you're talking half that and then the sorry yeah i don't like that's what those yeah, are the I, promoters that, made I, i'm
0: I, yeah i'm with you here i don't know how you yeah. make 50 million all three yeah. gigs but that's what they were offered now maybe yeah no I, gonna,
1: I, I think people just would do that yeah. maybe
0: they're going to make a documentary about it and sell it to Netflix and sell it Blu-rays and like, I'm sure there was like an all media thing and they're going to record yeah. it and sell the LP and, oh yeah, you know, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean there's ways of making Sp- sponsorship yeah exactly know. you know you get fucking some prick in the fucking he was going to give you 10 million so like you'd have ways of offsetting it just to put the sneakers brand on the fucking on the stage you know what I mean which Morrissey wouldn't agree with at all that's the fucking you know because they're going to make sure that they have the last fucking saying it. Um, yeah. so I don't know now apparently like the lads... imagine that w-
1: fucking <laughs> Dublin gig sponsored by Well Burger I don't think so
0: exactly do a veggie burger no 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 I remember we were in, when we were in Poland right and uh, Morrissey was playing in, in Krakow As real fucking funny and uh went out the night before the gig went out in the piss with uh, Boz Borer who was Morrissey's guitarist and Morrissey's yeah. Cousin, he was like um, kind of like stage manager for him. His name is Jay. Lovely lads. We went out in the piss and uh, fucking all over Krakow. Had a fucking great night. Next night went to the gig, and then they the next night off as well. So we went out again. But during the day we went over to the hotel to hang out with the fucking lads. And Morrissey ordered like there was like 20, 30 people I think on the guest mm-hmm. list. Are on the crew, so everybody's like yeah. sitting sitting around in the hotel, and he was like, uh, "Can I have whatever twenty five people? Can I have twenty five toasted cheese sandwiches, please?" And they came down with twenty five toasted ham and cheese sandwiches, and <laughs> there was murder. That was fucking mortar. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a good time. It was real awkward. I think we sn- we, we slipped out. The hotel was literally <laughs> literally like on there O'Connell Street type of thing. Fucking smoke out. Yeah, yeah, but um, <laughs> apparently uh, Mercy and Mar got together to talk about this offer, this 50 million. And um, mm. they decided against it. And they said... Um, oh, can you imagine what, being there too? Oh, you fucking pricks. Yeah. <laughs> Ages. Yeah, I think... But what had happened is because they'd been brought to court so many times, I think the lads might have been just cut out a loop completely, you know? Now, they might have brought them back in just for the fucking sake of it, but who knows? Um, but apparently they, they did get together. They talked about it. And they said, it's, it's like, it's, it's loads of money and all. And it's like, it's not about money. Apparently they want they want the... They kind of want the history of the Smiths to be unblemished. They don't want to get up and make a bollocks on it, yeah. you know, which is great. They just, it's done. And uh, Like so many
1: bands did, Stone Roses got back and did it. Mm. It's, it is what it is. I don't think it sounded
0: amazing. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that Morrissey said was, he said, like, I've been a solo artist now for way longer than I was in the Smiths. Oh yeah,
1: Jesus! Like, like ten times, yeah, exactly.
0: Really? And like my albums have fucking like, uh, you know, sold fucking millions, and I've been active ever since. So like, boy, he was more. I think he was more pissed off about fucking. Um, about you Mike like more Morgan Marcy
1: songs than The Smiths,
0: don't you? Uh, no, I'm even Stevens on it. I like even Stevens. A lot of people yeah. do prefer Morrissey, but uh, I know I'm leaning towards The Smiths. But also, I do love Lows of I And I love Lows. It's it's hard. To, it's real hard to fucking because the early Morrissey stuff is definitely. The, uh, the, the great right thing with the Smiths is you can say like
1: the Smiths without getting loads of questions.
0: Yes, exactly. You can just say it's the Smiths. Because <laughs> Marcy's mad Dodge now. Mad Dodgy. Mad Ropey. Like, God God help the country. He's fucking batshit, man. Not the ropeiest, but this really. No, just. just yeah, but he's mad. He's fucking mad, man. He's like, mad. He's shit, man. Anyway, that was the Smiths and so fucking talk about that show all yeah. fucking day and night. But uh, one of the things that Marcy did say was that I don't want all the work that I've put in in the last fucking like thirty years as a solo artist, um, to be reflective upon fucking Joyce and Rourke who've done fuck all um for them to just to get a massive payday because I've been fucking touring and and Mars done a bit with like Modest Mouse and shit like that. Both of oh. them stayed active. He was real fucky about that. Oh. You know? oh uh, so he
1: literally said it this is why you're not having yeah it would be maybe even a million quid each for the yeah film. and
0: apparently like, Roker joyce put out a statement giving it about morrissey and uh, he put out like a counter statement said they should be they should literally be sending me letters of thanks every week <sighs> because if they had a different singer they never would, would they never would have made a further than the post office <laughs> were his exact words if they had another singer, they never would have made it further than the post office. So they Maybe should be we, sending me letters of thank you every week for being involved in the Smiths. Anyway, that was the Smiths. Who was your next one?
1: Well, the last one, obviously, I picked was The Strokes in 2001. And just a year after that album, was, uh, This Is It was released, which is, is a great album, we had a lovely resurgence in kind of Joy Division-influenced yeah. indie rock. And one of the most important bands in that resurgence was Interpol. So I've picked Interpol PDA from the, just literally the year after 2002. I think this is important. This was when they started to bring a feel of the eighties back in. Yeah. So the strokes had gone from the seventies and just a year later, we we're going to jump into slightly eighties. Now I say the eighties, like Interpol, have an eighties field, but I think that they are one of the, the turn on the bright lights album is, re, is really mm. fucking good. And, uh, I think that's, it, it gave rise to like the editors, uh, White Lies, which then gave sort of block party uh, rise to that, which then gave rise to more serious, less serious stuff, like test icicles. But just going back to the, this stuff, this stuff, Interpol is more goth friendly. I think this is the first time I, I can literally name a shitload of goth so I know that I love Interpol. Mm. And, and like I mentioned earlier, that Swade were the first ones whispering in their ears about India. Yeah. Interpol are the ones I think that really set a standard uh, with that. It could be Joy Division, but it's not just a Joy Division clone because now, as it stands, there's 6 billion, 8, billion. 5 Joy Division clones in the band yeah, because yeah. they took a feel of it and did it. But you can't really do it. Interpol had that feel, but they really had their own songs and their own feel as well. Mm. So there's somewhere between shoegazy stuff and maybe like even just... The, the stroke stuff that was happening at the time. Yeah. They're also from New York, so I think that they, true. like like the Strokes, would have had influences from Blondie. Mm. I think everyone that comes out playing guitar from New York has to sort of have a New York Dolls or Blondie feel. New York mm. Dolls from New York? I know it's a stupid yeah. question, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Bars of Canada are not. Yeah, true. Yeah, Canada, York, yeah. you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, th- I think they did. Oh just, yeah, like... That, I don't listen to too much after that album if I'm being completely perfectly honest with you because yeah, yeah. I know that it was on um, one of the rock band or guitar hero stuff that I went that's, yeah, that's right. I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna give this because that song PDA was on it and it was my favourite song to play and I was like fuck man I, like, I know at the time there was loads of 80s stuff coming out like mm. I think like well, I know Lady Tron and all that stuff was afterwards but they Interpol started that whole a touch of got in indie yeah, so yeah. I found that to be really, really interesting. It was only a year after, like the Hive stuff and the vines were still kicking it really yeah. hard. And Interpol came and was like, okay, we're going to just tone it down a little bit yeah, and yeah. just get a bit. And it, like, if you listen to the bass song in this PDA song, the change in it where it goes um, 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 up, it's almost a little bang of disco off that bit. Mm. So it has that upbeat feel to it. It's not too serious, yeah. even though your man is singing like he could be. He still, you know, what, he, I like it. He's not singing in an English accent, which I found myself doing sometimes. Yeah, he is singing in an in de style, but very much New York. So it comes out like if Joy Division were, or if REM were covering Joy yeah, Division, that's how the yeah. voice might sound like that. Mm. But yeah, I don't have a huge amount to say, about, but I just love that aspect of indie when it went a little bit darker and got the white, white lies and stuff like that came out. And, um, yeah clouds of other bands I can't think of off the top of my head just a bunch of them that came shy. up after that yeah of them. To shy. but uh, that was my quick slightly the darker slightly darker recesses of uh, early 2000s <laughs> indie <laughs> <laughs> who is your next
0: choice my next choice is uh, one of my favourite bands that are on this list and it's Dinosaur Junior and uh, yeah
1: that's mad in my head like
0: we, I was went like I'm sure everyone's thinking punk band yeah not really <laughs> This is, I picked a Little Fury Things, which is a super fucking song. Everybody listen to this song. Um, Everybody listen to this song. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Everybody shut up for playing early Dinosaur Jr. Exactly, yeah. Um, (laughs) Dinosaur Jr. are important because they're they're, one of the better bands... And they weren't one of the most popular bands, but they were one of the bands that kind of the muso heads kind of latched onto. And they yeah. were also uh, there was a weird movement in the last kind of fifteen years towards this like heavy indie style um, that you would have got with you know some bands like Falls and shit like that, where they were still like they looked like fucking nerds and they played telecasters and uh, you know they had like skinny jeans and flannel shorts and shit like that, but they yeah. were. Uh, the music that they were playing wasn't fully heavy heavy it but it wasn't like jangly poppy kind of stuff it, it was like this weird amalgamation yeah. of the two so uh, i think doing a junior one of the first bands to kind of attempt that and to do it properly so it was formed in uh, amherst massachusetts in uh, 1984 by uh, jay mascus who was Fucking, it's just a huge name in the music scene. His name yeah. is probably bigger than Dinosaur Juniors. Um, like he has his own. I think one of the lads that we know just bought his own uh, signature fucking uh, Fender. What do you call it, Jaguar? Or oh yeah, Ford yeah, yeah. It. And it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. So like, would yeah, you start getting gorgeous. your own? Would you start getting your own fucking signature guitar models by big companies? Like, uh, uh, people should probably pay attention to what you're doing. Um, Dozier Junior were super kind of influential on in the American alternative scene and the fucking indie scene. So there was bands in the States that were trying to replicate that kind of British sound, that jangly kind of British sound. And then you had your own, as we talked about earlier, kind of REM style stuff where it was um, kind of in my head, leans more towards a kind of distortion guitar and a little bit more upbeat and mm-hmm. kind of poppy and stuff like that. These guys were, were definitely um, kind of in there, but they started off as like a, they weren't really a hardcore punk band. I think they more knew loads of lads that were into hardcore punk and kind of new way of music and shit like that and post punk. And they just they were the only guys that they kind of had access to to start this band. So they really wanted to be signed to SST like uh, SST Records. It was like they're like the, the American kind of creation records, almost like uh, if sub pop is the American fucking. Uh, creation records, then I don't know who the fuck SST. SST is maybe one step below, but almost nearly as important. Maybe the factory records or something like that. I don't know. Mm. It's a weird fucking combo. <laughs> but SST had fucking everybody. And uh, they really wanted to be on there. So that's kind of where their style started off was that kind of punkier, faster or shouty, screamy thing. But Mask has always had this weird, these weird vocals where it was real kind of nasally and toneless. So the music would be doing mad shit and he'd yeah. be just, like he wasn't roaring and shouting. He wasn't screaming or anything like that. Um, Masks eventually sacked everybody out of the band. He just got rid of them. He was like, listen, this is fuck. I'm sick of all these replying the bollocks um, for ages. then he played every instrument on albums and he just bring people in that he knew to play instruments. He wasn't particularly happy with. Mm. Um, as a kind of a clusterfuck type of situation, they got back together again. In um, they broke up in nineteen ninety seven, and they got back together again. But they kind of reformed. When was it? So ninety seven they broke up. Two thousand and five, and um, they got back together again. But like the original lineup from the original couple of albums, and they put out four new albums. Right. Um, when they were kids, when they'd first started, Sonic Youth seen them, and Sonic Youth, um, because Jay maskus had moved from Massachusetts. This is real weird. He'd moved from Massachusetts to New York, but he left the rest of the band in Massachusetts. So whenever they wanted to play New York, everybody else had to to drive down or fly down to to come down to where Jay Maskus was living to play, which is fucking weird. But Sonic Youth seen them play. (laughs) Yeah. So Sonic Youth saw uh, saw them play and they thought they were fucking shite. But they came (laughs) back, they came back two weeks later and saw them again and they were like, holy shit, like they're actually really good. We must have just caught them on a bad night. So they brought, uh, Sonic Youth brought Dinosaur Jr. on tour with them around the States for a bunch. Um, that was 1986. Where did they go and see them again? <laughs> no, well, no, apparently, everybody a, was just, just, going just, going just going to the same gigs. Going to the, the same fucks. gigs, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just Oh, fine,
1: we're going to have to go see this fucking... Dinosaur fucking band again. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh shit! Hang on. That's not the same band, is it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so apparently that's what happened. There was just there was gigs every fucking every night of the weekend and during the week as well. And and any given night, somebody from some big joint fucking band could be in the, in in the in the the crowd, and you never knew who you were going to get. So like Thorsten Moore or something. Thorsten saw them and said, "Fucking." Uh, like, these guys are shite. That's absolute garbage. And then a couple of weeks later, season began goes, holy shit, we have to bring these guys with us. So, on 1986. Yeah. 1986, they bring them back, yo. Um Second album is called You're Living All Over Me. And that eventually, that did get released on SST Records. So they kind of fulfilled their dream. And uh, this song, Little Fury Things is off the album. The album is just fucking fantastic. It's so, it's very, very, very good. Um I just wanted to mention Dinosaur Jr. Because like I said, I think they were one of the kind of unsung heroes of where one of the things that indie has evolved into where it's it's oh God, how do I even put it it's not simple music but it's it's not overly complicated for the sake of it it's like they're playing fucking open chords and weird diminished chords but they're just throwing distortion to on top of it and it just eventually became like what this kind of new uh kind of heavy indie style I think there's, a, there's a bunch of those fucking bands that Evade me the name of them right now. That are just they're, they're they're definitely indie, but they have bits that are like holy shit! Like that's bananas! Like hardcore or metal almost. Where they break into these bits, we're like, "Fucking hell, it's heavy! Like, it's so dissonant and crazy, and fucking." Dinosaur Jr. for me, but we're the bands that kind of opened that up, or, or at least one of them, anyway. Yeah. Uh, who's, who is your next one?
1: Yeah, this is this is a difficult one for me because I wanted to start. Well, the other stuff I did pick that I did like, to be honest with you, but I didn't like it. There's loads of other stuff I want to put in here that I like yeah. way more, but they weren't. They weren't big, giant turning points in in indie, or they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. The death, like the death of Pop, the, it wasn't the start of Seventy strokes kind of stuff. Hmm. But loads of stuff I wanted. So I really wanted to have PJ Harvey as my next person. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then I was thinking, God, indie doesn't really associate itself with solo hmm. artists. But and then I thought myself, hang on, PJ Harvey's not really indie. She's better than probably everyone I've picked on this list. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it just it would be wedging it in, it was, yeah, yeah. I wanted yeah. to talk about. Uh, then I could have said, "Fuck! Well, maybe I'll talk about the AAS." And no, I don't. That, that wasn't a massive <laughs> moment in in thing. Yeah. Anyway, so I picked not only a band I don't really have a huge amount of love for it. a type of indie I don't even have a huge amount of love for. Mm. But it's look at it, this is a retrospective. We have to talk yeah. about things that I found notable in thing, and this is a um, first of all I had. Bon Iver I think it's pronounced yeah. picked for this and I was like god I know even less about Bon Iver than the person I yeah. did pick which is Arcade Fire. Mm. Arcade Fire is a huge thing that happened in mid mid 2000s uh, indie time. music. Like it, the, they were the biggest thing in indie. Big time. And uh, they're certainly not one of my favorites. I would rather...
0: That fucking song. See... We talked about this before when yeah. we, we did a I Just Don't
1: Get It, the podcast, I Just Don't Get It, and we tried to get ourselves into stuff. And I did actually enjoy the archive for stuff that I listened to, but it yes. was exactly the kind of stuff that... It was a better version of stuff I don't like. Yes. So do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if someone yeah, said yeah. to you, do you like tea? And you're like, no, bring it back to tea. But try this. It's it's really good version of this tea that you don't like. You try it like, yeah, like I can see... Oh, what, what it is yeah. but it still it's not really my thing it's just so more I'm,
0: of the thing I don't like it might be better though it's, it's in better version thing. of it yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: I was going to pick Bon over as well because the, the the singer Justin Vernon who did a lot of stuff with Kanye West on Yeezus and a few other stuff mm. as well I have a lot of time for him I didn't realise that he lived in Galway selling phones as well really? that's mad yeah and didn't names, know
0: that
1: I don't know Johnny Coachella or whatever the fucking yeah. play is Burning Man Festival yeah. I don't know Um, I did like the funerals album when i finally gave it a go i remember there was a few bands we picked and that that was a good episode actually when we tried to get ourselves into the band that we we tied past this boy i i I thought i was gonna finally get properly into the jesus and mary chain i was like no this is it it's gonna happen yeah yeah Uh, i found a little bit more love for manic street preachers and stuff it was a cool episode but yeah arcade fire is one of the ones where i now have a different opinion i think oh you know what it is still a type of Coachella festival anthem, yeah. Yeah. Vodafone ad yeah. music, yeah. but it's, it's the better yeah. kind, like that. Which so, hat
0: music? Which is hat music?
1: Yeah. So I think it was super important. Uh, folk, indie folk, yeah, is super important in the in the mid two thousands to mid two thousand and tens, even or even up till now. To be perfectly honest, because there is mm. there is still things going on. There's still huge things going on in indie folk, like Big teeth are, oh, yeah. are pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I like Angel Olsen. I don't know if that's really considered
0: grandfather, aren't they? Another one, granddaddy, granddaddy. Yeah, grandfather. Yeah, granddaddy. Group, yeah. Of, <laughs> yeah, grandfather's <laughs> a hip hop group. Um, yeah. Yeah, granddaddy should do, do hip hop more hip hop. We do, we do. We'll we do, we'll do like, another hip hop one, or something. Another hip hop. We have to do nineties. We have to do that anyway. um, That's gonna yeah, be seven hundred songs long. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think I've
1: I've strayed too far off the point of indie when I'm talking about like. Um, Angelo, something like that, and PJ Harvey. But I wanted to, I really wanted to get someone that I really liked in here. But I, to be fair, I have liked the other stuff. So this is also the point, if I'm being honest with you, where mm. I start checked out of indie. If I'm being honest, and I think it's going to show. Yeah. It's going to show when I pick this stuff, bar maybe the last band I picked. So this is my yeah. second last choice. And I had to pick Arcade for because to skip over folk indie, which is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's important.
0: And it was huge. It's it was like another, it was another, I, I appreciate
1: genre. the said I appreciate the idea of it. It's indie it's mad, it involves yeah. It evolves it involves loads of extra members if you ever see that live and yeah. all the different instruments from folk are used and then they mix it a lot of times with electronic stuff and they mm. it, it gets very arty. But I don't really like it. It's, yeah. I I appreciate it, but don't like it. It's mm. not like something that I hate. It's not like fucking reggae or where I just don't think there's any redeeming value. <laughs> no, that's not true. Well, yeah. um, so that that's really like, what what else can I say about something that I find yeah. important but don't find interesting? Listen, to, uh, folk, indie indie folk, pop yeah. indie folk,
0: pop I, folk. I think Arcade, Arcade Fire are one of those kind of spikes kind of on the graph where it was. Uh, like, indie has always been uh, almost almost an underground fucking thing. It's, it was huge. We are talking about fucking REM selling 90 million albums. Like It was fucking huge. Some bands yeah. surpassed that kind of indie tag and just became uh, household names. Arcade Fire were a household name for pff, a year or two. This was was
1: yeah. This was like the Pitchfork, the band
0: for a while. Do you know what I mean? Like it really was. There there was another band that I can never fucking remember the bleed name of, um, that were kind of similar. It's not Modest Mouse. It's someone else in that fucking vein, and they were fucking so big for for about two, three years. Um, my brain is obviously just not switched on to me. I'll, I'll remember it and I'll put it, I'll put it up on the Facebook page um, a couple of days after this comes out because I definitely <laughs> will remember. And, uh, is someone so that someone that sounds like Arcade Fire? Right? Yeah, yeah. It was like a fucking. I I can't remember. I can't remember. I know there were yeah. a bit. There were a bit like Decemberists as well and that kind of um that kind of jangly folky sing alongy type of way. Like, right. Uh, I mean, this song in particular, this Arcade Fire song in particular, this is. When it it's got that fucking bit that any a uh, fucking dog could sing, and then it kind of kicks in, and then it oh. kicks, <laughs> yeah, and then it kicks into the fucking dum 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 the dum dum the Tom Jones bit and shit, you know. It's like a well written song, it's just yeah. yeah it, but but there was so much of this, and like you said, it's absolutely kind of festival music. It's just uh, a. Yeah. The passing boy. Going I think down. I, I
1: was too old and grumpy,
0: and uh, <laughs> yeah. I was
1: too still
0: into okay. Computers <laughs> Who's your next one? Uh, my last one is last uh one. one of the most important ones. I had to be. I had to put them on. It was a uh, Sonic Youth.
1: Yeah. So this uh, is, like, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose uh, this is your continuation from REM.
0: Yeah. So. Sonic Youth, I picked out a song, Candle, which is off, uh, what the fuck is this off, uh, Daydream Nation, this is off, uh, formed in New York City again in 1981, formed out with the, there was a little thing that happened called the No Wave scene, and it was, how do you even describe it, there wasn't that many bands involved and it was like this weird avant-garde kind of art style of music um, that would have definitely taken, uh, taken cues from Velvet Underground. Oh, yeah. I was about to
1: say Velvet Revolver again. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty sure I've had full-on conversations with people where I've dropped in Velvet Revolver instead of thinking about, you know, like, stuff that was happening in the late 70s and 60s and stuff like Velvet Revolver, like, what, getting born? No, they weren't. I I definitely
0: have done done that before. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the No Way Thing kind of came out with this weird kind of arty, farty fucking uh, scene where uh, there was another resurgence of... of, um, what happened with the, with the underground in the late sixties, early seventies, where you know music was important again to artists and the art students were back making fucking weird music and shit. They yeah. watched Sonic Youth. Sonic Youth were kind of famous for like, they could play, they could play their instruments, and they, they all had a million fucking side projects. And uh, kind of Sonic Youth just kind of eventually just, just kind of happened out of all these these side projects. But what they were doing is they were playing shitty guitars. It's one of the things Sonic Youth are kind of famous for, is for buying like really crap equipment and modifying it themselves. So what they do is they'd like, you know, stick a, uh, they'd buy a shitty $80 guitar. Now an $80 mm-hmm. guitar will always sound like an $80 guitar. You know what I mean? It's, it's never going to sound great. You know, even if you cover it in distortion and whatever the fuck. We don't want it to
1: sound good,
0: man. That, that was kind of their, their gimmick. So what they were doing yeah. is they were like drilling holes into like shitty guitars, speed and, holes, yeah, yeah. And what they do is they stick like drumsticks underneath the between the the fretboard and the strings, and use them almost as a capo, you know. And they'd yeah. be playing, and they'd be moving the drumstick up and down, and they get these mad fucking noises, these screeches and shit over. And people start paying attention to them. <coughs> now they, uh, I think self-funded their first ever European tour and done real well in Europe, Done a lot better in Europe than they did back in the states. And um, I think I think it might have been their first or second european tour with their first time ever playing england they played in london and apparently it was a fucking disaster like a fucking disaster
1: we didn't want it to be good man yeah <laughs> stop saying that now i'm gonna stop yeah. doing an, an impression I- of what i think sonic you sound like in the yeah. 80s
0: so apparently, like fucking, uh, like uh, 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 amps were blowing up and uh, strings were breaking. It was just absolute, like equipment malfunctioning. A- apparently, um, they were
1: one of the most nauseatingly loud bands. Yeah, they were in the supposed world. to be disgraceful.
0: Like, like, disgraceful, like
1: they make a show. They, they make a show of Manowar. Like,
0: yeah, uh, i would heard that a thousand times. That they were just you can't. Like you're, like, you're in there, and like
1: you, first of all, you can't talk to anyone at the gig. But they, I like that. But when you can feel inside of your chest exp-
0: ripping. Uh, no. Okay, I was at some gigs a couple of times where it was, it was, it was too much man too, and every time you go to a gig where it's too loud it's always the band's own sound engineer if they use the house engineer he knows the crack he knows what yeah, he's, he about.
1: doesn't want to, to have to come in to work the next day and exactly fix a speaker. lot of stuff yeah, exactly
0: yeah. Uh, so apparently this gig in london was an absolute disaster absolute malfunction everything broke and fucking torson got real fucking pissed off and he starts smashing all the equipment he smashed guitar smashed amps he really proper fucked off and so he was like this is bullshit like fucking forced every time playing in london this is a big deal for us and mm. this is how fucking happened now apparently what happened there with this is they got amazing reviews out of like NME and fucking Sounds Magazine and stuff that leaked back to the States.
1: I think it's the fact that they didn't play that made it sound <laughs> even greater. Do you know, man, like, yeah, like, this is the same t- Sometimes music critics can't admit... Like now to be honest with you maybe it was amazing maybe that kind of raw energy was amazing but I sometimes don't believe it is what I'm trying to say oh uh, yeah
0: I think I'm, like, I'm
1: thinking with you on that as well like but do if, you know what like, imagine like they just didn't turn up to the gig and it's still got a great review that yeah, could happen that
0: could absolutely they're, happen they're,
1: the lack of presence is what I liked
0: well <laughs> Sonic Youth have put song uh, they put a song out called Silence that is like 4 Minutes of Silence you know what I mean <laughs> oh, yeah. that type of band um, so yeah word got back to the States that like they were fucking doing Savage in Europe and this gig in London was fucking batshit mad and all the other all the journals that were there were writing salvage reviews it's just absolutely primal like fucking insane so when they get back to the states and all of a sudden they're kind of a big deal they end up signing to a SST Records which like I said is one of the big labels that all of these kind of Indian noise bands wanted to be on SST but just let you do whatever the fuck you wanted and wouldn't get involved now after a while you got pain, their bollocks for that, and they start kind of shopping themselves around to other labels. Now, one of the weird things I found, though, was that the band have a weird fascination with Madonna. So do I. It's not yeah, that weird, though. But, like, would you think that, like, a band like Sonic Youth would have a fascination with Madonna?
1: Yes, in the same sense that Morrissey would have a fascination with, like, Nancy Snatter. Maybe. I see it in... I see it like that, yeah. But, like, it's, this is the age No, 80s, and the last like, thing is... And, and, the way, and the same way that, like, uh, they released, like... Was it them that released the, the fucking Carpenters cover album? Yes.
0: Yeah. So, and the, here's the thing, though. Here's where I'll give them credit. I don't think it's even remotely ironic. No, I don't think. I don't think irony's really in it. I don't, I don't think they have a tongue in cheek. I mode. think they
1: can, can grab onto something that they feel is part of pop culture that they don't have to slag. That they didn't get influenced by, and they liked it, and they can latch on
0: and they give them a yeah, little card I, to say you're okay. I suppose when you think about it, like Sonic, you kind of jumped from having these mad, the kind of noise dissonance, fucking banana songs right. to having like mad, cool, poppy, cool thing, yeah. style, fucking songs. So I maybe. think sometimes
1: as well that they allow themselves to have a piece of their childhood untainted by their own uh, anger. <laughs>
0: Possibly. <laughs> but, uh, I don't it, know. I just yeah.
1: know I love Madonna and I, also, listening to Carcass, I don't go...
0: Yeah, yeah. No, the, only, the only thing that, 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 that confuses me about the, entire, about the whole thing is that they would have been doing the rounds at the same time as Madonna. This would be like system of a down Yeah, downturn. I suppose. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah. system of a down downturn around saying that we really, really love Britney Spears. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I, when I put it into that format, I'm like, this is fucking weird. I get someone now going, oh, we fucking love Madonna. You know I, mean? bet I, you, I, I bet
1: that. you at some stage, they try to get a song together. I'd say your man, Torsten, was like, get,
0: get, get Madonna. Yeah, I want to <laughs> do a song with Madonna. So. Maybe. Because uh, they released, they done a not of Madonna cover songs. They even started a little side project named after her real name, Capuccio or whatever her real fucking name is, called Sonic Cappuccio or something, um, just playing covers <laughs> of her songs. It's real, real, real weird. Now, again, that could have been an arty farty thing. Who fucking knows? Eventually, yeah. they jumped label. They ended up on Geffen. They stayed with Geffen for fucking years. And then they get a paint their bollocks with Geffen and then they yeah they start their own record label and so what they start doing with this new record label is they start releasing like singles and ep's and what they call video albums um where they get all the mad weird shit just out of their system so they get to release kind of not poppy albums but you know accessible albums to to the yeah, average it's bad
1: that you consider the weird stuff to pop your stuff because in my head i was like even weirder than like sonic youth stuff but yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah Everything out of their system, yeah. Yeah, That used to be that used to be like kind of what people would do with fan clubs. Oh, yeah, or an EP and we don't put this out. Yeah, rocket from the crypt.
0: Rocket from the crypt are famous for having like one of the only record deals ever signed where they signed to like Warner or whoever the fuck it was. But every single that they released and every EP and stuff like that, they got to choose what record label would put it out. So the label that they signed to Warner, whoever the fuck it was, they got the albums. But the singles off the albums, they could choose. Um, huh. I think, I think the way it would work is that Warner were able to put the singles out themselves as well, but they could also repackage them for other like small, tiny, oh, independent labels. That's cool. So that's why the song so good. Like like so
1: maybe even stick a different B side on a different. Cover oh, yeah, yeah, that's what they like doing.
0: They were, were focused for it, and that's mm. why there's so much rock, so many rock from the crypt fuck singles and EPs. Like if you're, if you're a rock from the crypt collector, like it's yeah, your job is never. Ni- it's a nightmare. It is. <laughs> Um, they even released they release a thing called the Rocket Pack and there's only like 10 of them made. It was for the crew on a tour. And uh, to this day, it's still one of the most expensive things you'll ever find on like discogs, where it's like a couple of seven inches, a belt buckle in this kinda, in this box set. And yeah. it, was, it was only like 15, 20 of them or something like that made for the crew on this one particular tour. And uh, whenever they pop up on Discogs, like people say, going fucking mad. I'm going to do that whenever out.
1: I release my album. I'm going to have a big belt buckle and just for the crew yeah. of just me. So just gonna, you. What I'm going to say is, I'm going down to pennies
0: to buy myself a new belt tomorrow. That's the same thing. I also need a new belt. Uh, so, a couple of years ago, uh, they had like 30 instruments stolen while they are on tour. And this is oh. a big deal. This yeah. is a big deal for them because they, they were so. They were so into fucking weird tunings that they would they yeah. always be swapping guitars. So like, they could have like two dozen instruments um, sitting on the stage ready for them. So they'd do like two songs that were in one tune and drop that guitar, grab another one. Uh, same that, same go for a fucking bass. <laughs> <Can you imagine? laughs>
1: so we're bringing it into a pawn shop. The pawn shop guy is, I don't know, maybe he's not quite awake yet. because that guitar's got holes in it. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's a, a screw screwdriver. So yeah. Yeah. It's not even in tune. Hang on, I can't even put yeah. this in tune. I'm not taking this. Yeah. Like, That's,
0: they, the used to bolt, they used to bolt. They uh, used to bolt their screwdrivers into the headstocks and into the body so they could bend them. Bend the shit. You guitars to get weird noises out of the shit. But yeah, thirty <laughs> of these were stolen. I think. Oh, I, I think they may have got like twelve of them back over time. But just um, so true, of like a. Uh, putting out rewards and, like and, yeah. pon- and tracking them down yeah. they got 12 back because so they out. they wanted to record another album um, after they got all their instruments back so it was a big deal where when the instruments were robbed they had to go off and buy new stuff and they put out an album and it sounded real weird because they didn't have their tools to try it so people were like I don't know how I feel about this like we want all the weird shit Can you where- imagine
1: though the horrible problem with that is when they get their insurance check for those guitars it's like it's
0: <laughs> yeah it's for nothing <laughs> <laughs> it's like, on, it's like, it's not what yeah. I
1: don't know. You could, you probably could review them or you could ensure them as Sonic Youth guitars and not just as the uh, oh, yeah, yeah, from yeah, Argos, the Square,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. More than likely, now, Thurston Moore and Kim Gordon were married for 27 years, right? That's right, um, all throughout the the, the 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 kind of not formation but the the body of fucking Sonic Youth. And um it was around 2015 that they announced that they had kind of split up. And Torsten Moore said, "Listen, we're just on hiatus. We'll figure it out in, in a while." And then I think they had like a, a stand-in drummer. who was like, "Oh no, we fuck fucking out. I don't know what's going on." And then yeah. uh, Kim Gordon released a book and said, and she just said, "Listen, it's fucking broke the fuck up. Like, you know, I mean, hmm. we, we ain't getting back together again." I think Imagine. they
1: were. I think they were on our podcast. We are never getting back together. Yes, of yes. bands that we don't think. quite oh, we never we never checked on which ones did. So Rage Against Machine did. Did yeah. Yeah, that's it, though. Like I think uh, we think we're still doing pretty well on that.
0: I think we, we've got an eleven, eleven out of twelve ratio. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Mm. Yeah, um, but yeah, so they, they, they they're done now. It's, chances are they won't get back together again. I think yeah. they're getting fucking.
1: That's a pretty big one. I think if that was cocktail twins, they got divorced and then they broke up and they never. The Coachella that's what I said earlier. That was that was a divorce as well. That yeah, they were on our podcast. Never getting back together. So yeah, they aren't. Sonic user, not no.
0: I, I I doubt it. It's, to be honest, there's enough. They release some stuff. They might have, I think I think they're one of those bands that probably have like a thousand songs sitting in a vault somewhere. You yeah. know what I mean? I always get that feeling. That one of those. Yeah. Anyway, that was, that was my last one. So who was your last one?
1: Well, here we are. It's the last song. And I was doing things chronologically, you know, sort of mm. retrospective of, of things. So here we are. We are at now mm. in indie, And I'm the wrong man to ask about this, to be perfectly honest with you. Because like I said, I was jumping out in 2010s going, mm. you know uh, it's gone very fucking... Now there's loads of stuff that's considered indie that I loved from those times but uh, were they big big monster things. so I don't know if this is considered a big giant turning point in indie right now. I know that on the way here we had good albums like I, what I consider good anyway like The mm. War on Drugs, uh, Lost, in, Lost in the Dream, it's kind of anthemic almost Bruce Springsteen kind of stuff. Black Keys, Court Foyle, mm. uh Alabama Shakes. I'm kind of skipping over a whole decade here. Look, but look, that's going to happen.
0: We're
1: we're got the tw- very, we've got yeah. twelve songs to do this. Song. Yeah, we're at the very end. Mm. So, I chose a band that I think is now what I consider the example of in what indie heads are listening to yeah. now. That is sort of different and changing and has changed and evolved into this. So I picked Idols. Never fight a man with mm. a perm but they're too post-punky and it was wrong. It was wrong. It was too, they're too post-punky. So they're too far removed from indie, I think for me to be comfortably putting them on the list. Yeah. So I went with a popular modern Irish band, a popular Irish indie band. And it's not Fontaine's DC, it's Girlband. <laughs> it's Girlband. Yeah. Fontaine's,
0: I think, would definitely fit into the indie bracket, I think. They would
1: way more, but I'm not picking them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I picked Girlband because I think, like, Fontaine's DC, to me, haven't done anything that has made me go, what
0: the fuck is this? They're just singing. It, has. And like, it definitely has.
1: Well, it has, yeah.
0: Like,
1: <laughs> I will say this, though. I know we were going to do a review of the album. It's, it's redundant. It's pointless. Yeah. I really liked... Noel 9's podcast on it, where um, Andrea said everything I was going to say. So I was felt. I think you were not in the humour. Eventually, either of doing it, I, both yeah. of us were like.
0: We what, announced what, it all. I put it on the
1: Patreon saying we we're going we to do this tomorrow. I don't. I don't want to. It was, yeah. we, we didn't have enough good to say about it apart from that song. Uh, fucking lucid dream which is such a great song you like that, anyway, I'm not uh,
0: cool that i like that album. no song i like that the last song on it as well yeah so i picked girl band because that's slightly
1: closer to indie than idols is mm-hmm. um with the they're like idols in a lot of way with the tongue-in-cheek song titles but then this brutal unnerving fucking parts that are sound but yeah. girl band especially been really unnerving with like that album sounds like uh fuck what does it sound
0: like yeah I don't know,
1: if something like that was recorded in Arkham Asylum trying to do an indie album, it's just bananas-like. It's yeah, really, it bizarre, really great. Yeah. It's, hockey, it's it's 2000, it's last year. Uh, it's not a quintessentially Irish album. No. It's not a quintessential indie album. But I still feel like somehow this is where indie has ended up. And the people that I know that are mad into indie are mad into idols. Yeah, but They're also, for me,
0: again, I can't pick idols in this Um Everyone I know that's into idols is into, into girl band as well.
1: All, yeah, like they're all, not a million miles away from, yeah. from each other in terms of feel. Mm. Um, but I, I listen to idols and I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I get I get it. I, I get loads of it. It's deadly. But it, it's loads of it I don't get. And I haven't figured out why. So there's no point me trying now in the middle of a podcast through yeah. what, what is not getting me. With, but I know when I first heard the new single of girl band, I tried with girl band a few years ago. And for whatever reason, I, I, I couldn't do it. And then I tried their Shoulder blade, blade single and I was like, yeah, okay. And then when the album came out, I listened to the whole album in one way it was supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be listened to as a whole album. It's not really mm. a, not a fucking singles band. um, But it really made way more sense to me. And I was like, right, this definitely has a touch of indie in it. And I can see where indie heads are going to flock mm. to this. It's sarcastic. It's humorous. It's... uh." like there, you, you can hear you can hear stuff in it like you can hear words like dutch gold coming through the fucking mad madness mm. that is it so i don't know people may or may not disagree that that's where india's ended up for me in the likes of idols and girl band definitely, definitely. even possibly fontanes dc which is just more, more safer and more um slightly less real to be honest which is slightly more contrived bringing mm. in the old Dublin selling that. I love that girl band it's only ever done in tongue in cheek way when you hear stuff about Dublin or Ireland or in that they are yeah, they're just a, a, a different it's, it's a different, different animal So yeah. yeah. that I'm not, like I said, you can tell the the moment I jumped out of Indy. I
0: really can, yeah. It me, just like, just, it's yeah. Use we have definitely we,
1: too much. We have a lot to be listening
0: to. Girl. We're fucking the, men of the world. Like, just for me, India is definitely like a an eighties, mostly eighties, partially nineties thing. And mm. if um I I know that India has evolved, and I know that like alternative music has evolved because when I think alternative music, I instantly got to like smashing pumpkins instantly, and like yeah. That's in the bracket, but it's definitely fucking heavier. It's definitely more rocky, and but like I know, yeah. <laughs> the way the way I look at this indie thing is, I look at it as 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 the cage that a million things live in. Much of the same as as metal, you know. Uh, like when people say, "Look, like, you like, look, I love metal." So do you like like fucking boism and quiet riot? You know, because they're yeah. a million miles away from each other. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're yeah, still metal. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. it, it, it it is definitely more of a, a set of guidelines or no guidelines is wrong it's definitely about its roots of that style much the same yeah. as like blues kind of leading the rock and roll leading to metal like you can, you can track yeah. it back you know and uh, it was the, we
1: set, we set ourselves an impossible task with this one. oh yeah well, very much so so it's obviously about vol- i don't know if we can do a volume two of no, What's the point? no points no point. it, so we, is, we we packed it in yeah. Solidly, this has got and,
0: an, uh, an awful lot of information into, into that one. We, I hope we, we, we at least
1: cheekily mentioned bands that we <laughs> didn't put in, and we, we got a few in there like White Stripes are talked about a few little
0: put in digs. Bam, we got suede in there, we got a few little digs. Swan, got PJ Harvey, in. yeah, we, got, got a yeah. load yeah, of little digs we got thrown in, but anyway, that's it for this week. We're back again next week with another delicious podcast. Uh, oh, just
1: before we go, there's one yeah. thing I have to say. <laughs> I, I was thinking earlier, indie can't die, but one thing that needs to die, and it's come back again. Mm. is the term and the sentence that needs to go and music magazines don't really say it people like fucking newspapers say it like the Irish Independent guitar bands are back yeah that sentence needs to die in a big giant fire
0: yeah they never
1: left they never have left yeah. just mega popular ones like the amount of times I've read it about I don't mean I'm not shitting on the Fontaines DC it's nothing to do with them they're a guitar band they listen to guitar bands they always play it guitar music yeah. well, here's guitar bands are back
0: yes. oh fuck off and I was, and I was whenever I have a love hate relationship Waltons will be delighted that. that they're going to sell some guitars again yeah, The Waltons don't even exist anymore do they they're on they do they where are they I don't know if they're still in Blanche but they had a big one in Blanche oh did they fucking hell yeah, um, yeah I have a love hate relationship with that with that uh, guitar music kind of sentence like it's like yeah it didn't, didn't really go anywhere not really it might have waned in popularity a tiny bit. But it's not it only
1: waned out of the maximum popularity exactly, for a minute. Like
0: it went from like 110% to like 99.9% for a fucking like two years, but it was still fucking huge. But yeah. whenever I hear that, it always sounds like somebody's answering something that Kanye West said. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's
1: true, yeah. You know? he, that's, you know, what he sounds like something he would say as well. Possibly yeah. As well. But anyway, yeah, I just, I just I wanted to throw that in there because I, yeah. I, I, I remember thinking, I have to mention that at the end of this podcast <laughs> at some stage, that, that sentence needs to oh. go into Big Four.
0: All right, anyway, folks, we're back again next week. Uh, you want to support us, you can go to... Uh, co-foy.com forward slash lost our podcast the links are on our uh, our facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash lost our podcast or you can subscribe and support us every single month on that's, Patreon. The, one. that's the one patreon.com forward slash lost our podcast all the links are up on um, lost our podcast.com we uh, we are doing a new we're doing a tv show this week this is coming out on Monday yeah so we'll have a, a fresh delicious live TV show for you on Saturday night uh, the event is up on the Facebook page go click attend and share it tell the people we took a break last week because we were having fucking technical issues and it's a pain in the yeah. box and erect the flow wreck, so that. you start getting into the fourth area, you're like yeah this is fucking deadly let's go yeah. go go and, then and it's how, the same for the listeners it, or the viewers as well sure get, it yeah. Is. Yeah. like fucking yeah. listen the, streaming live the way we're doing it finally now we have a suite of software that is uh, better than Mixler it's just not as stable as Mixler for some reason um, but Mixler's only doing fucking half of what this new software does um, so but because we have so much investing we've got multiple cameras and multiple microphones we even have uh, Steph is there helping us giving us yeah a he's been out. brilliant he's been and, fucking brilliant and, and he's doing all the cameras and the fucking mixing desks there's mixing desks everywhere and cameras and cables and fucking laptops and cooling pads and fucking cables hanging out ceilings and lights it's a nightmare and then you're in it and you're fucking on it and even last week we had a guest in we had Al from Ronco and we're having great fun and then all of a sudden boom some in the middle
1: of that amazing quiz sorry I don't mean to be amazing I made a point bit of it, but it, it was, was the enjoying, best bit of the show I was, we were was enjoying crack. that so much because it was wrecking exactly. the both of your heads and I just reveled in yours
0: exactly there. and then the fucking the la- something goes wrong on the fucking laptop because it's not I didn't overheat but something something fucking random that's never happened on like the the laptop that won't die um, something fucking <laughs> don't weird don't say happens. that <laughs> yeah something fucking happens and it dies and that's the second week in a row so we're not we're going out. And we're buying a fucking desktop, a big powerhouse of a machine. That fingers crossed will do the job. Or even want to add an extra camera in, we've allowed the plans, and uh, we want to do it correctly. And uh, I want. Uh, you,
1: you, time you go to the co- coffee, coffee site and give us three quid or, or sign up to Patreon, it fucking really helps. You know So does like every, everyone's fucked for money at the moment. We're you We know what I mean like. Let me, just share it. I'll just do something if you like the yeah, podcast. Keep it alive. Keep everything alive that you like, man. It's fucking.
0: Yeah. Exactly, and I'm not. I'm not getting oh. smashed up like I did the last one either. Because I kept drinking that. <laughs> I kept drinking that whiskey, and I was on fucking fire for the last. I was day like, man, half.
1: I haven't seen someone do shots of whiskey on on live TV yet, ever. Well, it's like live TV, internet TV.
0: I drank like, half that bottle, man, and I fucking. I had to be put in a taxi, and all. I I had to go home, and I had to be put into bed. It was a <laughs> fucking disaster. I forgot you left, and I DJed for another ten minutes. Is it? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> apparently. Apparently, I just kept going and I played fucking John, John Farnham and everything. I think. I don't know what I was doing. I had talking into the microphone. So I was on fire. I can't do that anymore. So that put manners on me. So uh, I just got, I'm going to fucking set myself. It's a four hour show and I'm going to buy like five cans of beer. And that way, nice. uh, like every 40 minutes or something, I'll have a can of beer and I'll be fine. And I'm only buying pissy beer because last week I fucked up as well. And I bought another bottle of Westmall that's 10%. Westmall bought...
1: and whiskey is <laughs> and oh, that's a combo. That's but then I, combo. Bought,
0: I bought a load of these weird fucking pina colada IPAs that I thought were like 4%. They were all 8-9%. So Shit. even without the whiskey, I would have been on fire. So uh, <laughs> thank God it's not recorded. To put it that way, if you missed out on it, you fucking missed out. But listen, we're back uh, yeah. this Saturday. Well, lovely, clean, fucking family friendly show. Um, yeah, from definitely. whatever, nine o'clock till fucking one o'clock in the morning, whatever the fuck we're going to do. Uh, the link is on Facebook. Do us a favor. Share it out. Uh, yes. We will talk to you again next week, folks. Thank you very much. Thanks. See
1: ya.